Paul Valley and I don't need to share spit. Well, I can. Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Again, when was the first time? Gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. Griffin. No. Thankfully, I'm not a gentleman, so I can tell you all the time. A um, lot to do on a Monday edition of the program. In just a second, we'll update the Lamar meter. Lamometer. Coming up a little bit later on, we will uh, talk Lamar. Bill Roden, who's been writing a lot about Lamar over the course of the last year. A lot, a lot to talk about. Legendary, of course, uh, sports writer, now with Anscape and the ESPN. We'll catch up with him. Also, Jeremy Kahn joins us because it's Monday, and we'll dive into the brackets. 16 teams left. Maryland, not surprisingly, not one of them. Eight and a half points. Sure. Sure. That was a that was a Look good a for sense of, 15 minutes. Eh, for look, like 10 minutes. Look like a different team. Yeah, but, I mean, stop. <laughs> like, it was never going to happen in a million years. Well. Somebody texted me on basketball. Saturday. Like, any, any chance... Any chance? I'm like, no. Plainly, no. N O no. There is no chance. I thought there was a chance. Talk more about it later on in the show. Pat Kennedy will join us, former Towson coach, obviously also DePaul, Florida State, Montana. And uh, we'll just go through the brackets as we've done with Pat uh, so often over the years. We will catch up with him later on in the program. That's all coming up today. Jeremy Kahn. Did I mention Jeremy Kahn? Jeremy Kahn. Sure. All that coming up on the program. We had a, we had a side bet with our bracket, remember? We did. Yeah. Doesn't look good for your boy. No, it doesn't. But uh, the good news for me is that I love that song. Yeah, so true. I don't really. It's not a punishment. I'm very excited about it. Very excited about it. All right. Um, so here's the deal. Today's show, by the way, is brought to you. By Birdland Sports, for Birds fans, by Birds fans, Birdland Sports has so many cool t-shirt concepts for you. I've been rocking the uh, Birds Are Coming in the orange. That's been my favorite. It'll be what I'm wearing on opening day. There's the Hillbilly Hay shirt. There's the Gunnar Henderson Maverick style shirt. There's the Orioles in Oreo lettering to celebrate Oreo Park at Camden Yards. There's so many cool concepts available when you go to Birdland Sports. couple of things to keep in mind. One, prices are cheaper than the big guys, and yet you're not losing anything in quality. A lot of times you go to these fly-by-night T-shirt places and you get the shirt and you're like, yeah, that's gonna, all of that's going to come off. Uh, it's going to start uh, cracking and peeling off within, I don't know, five days. That's not the case with Birdland Sports. It's still very high-quality shirts. Someone snagged another shirt this weekend. Might be Paul Valley. I don't know. I have no idea who did, but someone snagged another shirt, which is fine. That's totally okay. This one's still available. The Felix Batista, the mountain shirt. Well, they're all available. You know, he's a big fan. Well, yes, for okay, you. Yeah. For you at birdlandsports.com. And also, still time. Like, I know we're getting closer, but still plenty of time for you to get your order in and have it by opening day. Still plenty of time. Do it right now. Birdlandsports.com is the website. So here we go. First Lamar meter update of the week. Lamometer. You would say, hey, not really any significant news as far as other teams doing anything or anything like that. So probably couldn't be much movement. I am writing, I, I just realized, maybe the longest column that I've written in some time about the Lamar meter and about 
why I have the numbers where I have them. And also diving into, like, it struck me last week that we all are big dummies. And we all have a lot of egg on our face. And yet none of us are willing to admit something. And we should. And it, I, I, I'm almost stunned by it. So when someone goes on Twitter to criticize the Ravens for how they've handled the Lamar Jackson situation, there is immediately a pushback from a group of people that are Ravens fans or concerned about the Ravens that say something along the lines of they've literally offered him the second most guaranteed money in the history of football. I told you some time ago that I don't think the Ravens deserve to be labeled as bad guys in this situation. Not at all. Because I do think that matters. They feel as though they offered a significant contract that would be worthy of locking up a quarterback that's beyond anything anyone's gotten except for one person. They feel like they've done this totally fairly. And to label them as bad guys or to say they don't value that, that would be, you know, I don't, I don't want to say foolish because I think there are levels, layers to an argument and to a discussion. But I do think it's it's factually incorrect. But it's weird how we bring up that, that the Ravens have offered. And Lamar, of course, has confirmed $133 million, fully guaranteed, the second highest dollar amount in a fully in a, a fully guaranteed money ever in NFL history. Fully guaranteed. We bring that up to defend the Ravens, but you know what we never do? We never bring it up to defend Lamar. And instead, we continue to say what? He's what, greedy? No, we say if he just had an agent... Mm a deal would be done. Lamar Jackson, without an agent, would have the second highest fully guaranteed dollar figure in the history of the NFL if he wanted to take the deal. So when we say, and I admit that I'm someone who thinks that Lamar should have an agent, when we say that so breathlessly, you know what? We're wrong. Lamar's right. That tweet last week, dunking on all of us about, oh, I need an agent? He's right. There's no way around it. We can't make facts convenient for us, but not work when they're inconvenient for our arguments. Lamar Jackson has proven he doesn't need an agent. Now, trust me, I think there are other reasons why Lamar Jackson should consider getting an agent that go beyond just a contract offer. But the reason why Lamar Jackson doesn't have a contract ain't because he doesn't have an agent, because without an agent, he got the second highest fully guaranteed dollar offer in NFL history. Lamar Jackson is right. We're wrong. And there's no way around that, no matter how inconvenient it is for our arguments. And when I thought about that over the weekend, it made me think more about other things. 
you, of course, are probably aware that Lamar Jackson is going to put out some sort of – I don't know what you want to call it. He's, they're trying to call it an interview. It's, I don't, it's not an interview. By the way, we're, we're, we're all being imbeciles about this. It's quite clear from watching the video that Lamar Jackson is not interviewing himself. I don't know why we allowed that to become some sort of weird Twitter meme this weekend where we were pretending. And it's not just, like, dummies on the Internet. Like, reporters were saying the same thing. Lamar is teasing an interview with himself. No, he's not. You saw the video. That's not what he's teasing. I don't know who the person is. It's someone who works for him or works with him. So if you want to say it's not really an interview, I'm totally fine with that. But it's not an interview with himself. It weirdest bit that we did. And by the way, now it's become its own internet meme, so we're just going to keep rolling with it. But there, there was an actual video. We saw it. There was another human being that was asking a question. Now, it was painfully dull, the part that was teased out. I don't care about Lamar Jackson and Marty Morningleg at this point. Uh, utterly unhelpful to the conversation. But Lamar Jackson has at least reached a point where he has decided he wants to say something. What that will be, I don't know. When we'll see it, don't know. Why it appeared to have terrible audio quality, don't know. Don't trash on Trust Productions, all right? Hey, man, I'd like to partner with Trust Productions. (laughs) I'm available for hire. I don't know if I can help the audio quality. People have heard this show. Um. Why it is that he's decided now is the time that he wants to talk, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But he's decided that he wants to talk. And you can't help but notice that it comes right on the heels of someone else deciding they wanted to say something. That, of course, being D. Smith, the executive director of the NFLPA, who, in the midst of the NCAA tournament, maybe not the smartest timing for putting out a statement, decided to release a statement. (sighs) Among other things, we are all staring at the same answer to the obvious questions. Why did Kirk Cousins, he said Cousins, why did Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson get fully guaranteed contracts while others didn't? Or to be more specific, why have the Baltimore Ravens and other teams publicly, at least initially, made such a point to say they are not going to compensate Lamar Jackson with a fully guaranteed contract like Cousins or Watson. Let's be clear, in my nearly 15-year career as executive director, I have never witnessed teams being so quick to publicly announce their lack of interest in an MVP quarterback who is in his prime and who is also going to get an injury guarantee regardless of his contract. Something is percolating over the course of the last week. D. Smith decided to start speaking publicly. Lamar Jackson decided he was going to speak publicly. What I, I don't know what you want to call what it is that Lamar Jackson is doing. It could be that the two have nothing to do with each other. It could be that the timing is just D. Smith decided to put something out, and Lamar Jackson, he and his buddy were sitting around one day and were like, maybe let's get on and talk about Marty Morningweg. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the two have nothing to do with each other. But it's hard to think it's fully coincidental, right? Like, it's hard to fathom that. Yeah. Uh, Here's what I would say. I keep trying to warn you guys. Because I've had more and more people that have been critical of how low the Lamar meter numbers have been. Really? There are more people that would say, 
my friend Kevin Van Valkenburg, when he's not busy fighting with Lee Westwood on Twitter. Who's Lee Westwood? Oh, Griffin. All right. It's a very... Oh, God. What, what did I do? Just search the internet and then get back to me and maybe, like, sit... The next time you just don't know, sit one out. All right? Just sit it out. It's it's better... Nice golfer. He, he's, like, a very, very, very famous golfer, man. Just sit that one out next okay. time. All right? Kevin responded to a Lamar meter last week to say, I feel like if there was an offer out there for him, he would have received it by now. He has a right to be frustrated that Watson, a worse player, will get money he'll never see, but other teams can't pay for the Haslam's bad decisions. Now, of course, you know that Kevin and I love each other so much that literally we did an hour of radio every week that we called Hug It Out Radio because that's how much we tend to agree about things. We're agreeable fellas. He's a ma- By the way, there was somebody who recently reached out to me thinking it might be time to revive Hug It Out Radio and maybe with a new partner instead of Kevin because Kevin's now at no laying up and he's all golf at this point. He's moved on from ESPN. Um, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. There might be a thought to it. Someone else that I agree with quite, quite frequently and I, who I respect. I love Kevin. Kevin and I agree constantly. But we couldn't disagree more about the entirety of this comment. As I've said a million times, I, it would be insane for Lamar Jackson to do anything before the NFL draft. I, I keep, imagine you're the Atlanta Falcons, and you're doing the calculus, and you're like, I'm, we're good. We can sit with the pick that we have. We'll get the fourth quarterback that's off the board. Obviously, Carolina and Houston are going to take quarterbacks. Obviously, Indianapolis is going to take a quarterback, but... Everybody else is, we're good at number four. And then all of a sudden, the Detroit Lions, who we've all assumed are out on Lamar Jackson because of the money that you would have to pay when you're already paying Jared Goff, they start doing the calculus in their head, and they say, right, but we don't have to pay the same money to a first-round quarterback, and we're not as sold on Jared Goff being the answer. He was a nice season, but we think there's a limit to what he can do. And we can get out from the Jared Goff deal literally next year. And all of a sudden, the Detroit Lions say, we're not going to let anybody know, but we're going to sweep in and we're going to take the fourth quarterback off the board before the Falcons ever get a chance to take a quarterback. And now you're the Atlanta Falcons, and your choices are be utterly irrelevant for another season with some combination of Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter, or maybe we were wrong and we should dip our toes into the Lamar Jackson waters. There's no world, if I'm Lamar Jackson, in which I'm just accepting this as the market until at least after the NFL draft. It all has to go dry. The market has to go dry before I even consider making my move. But then let's go back to one other thing. Lamar has proven us wrong when it comes to the agent thing. Facts. No getting around it. We're wrong. He's right. I wonder what else he might end up proving us wrong about. It feels right now like the market is going to depress back to the Baltimore Ravens. But for some reason, it's a big deal for Lamar Jackson to 
not have an agent, and it's a big deal for Lamar Jackson to get a fully guaranteed contract. So what does that mean? My question, I guess, would be how far is he willing to go in that pursuit? Is he willing to go to the lengths of sitting out for a season? Is he willing to go to the lengths? What, what is he willing to do? Because what I struggle with is the idea, one, I, I also disagree with Kevin about it being a bad decision. What's a bad decision is being irrelevant. What's a bad decision is having Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter be your quarterbacks next year. That's a bad decision. You can't do that. But I wonder, eh, with an amount of, of conviction, I, I wonder what you do if you think that one of two things is occurring. That either you're being colluded against, or let's say it's not that. Let's say it's not even that evil, that concerted. But it's just as simple as what many people have pointed out. Brian McFarlane and I had this conversation. That this is really about the fact that the Ravens have made it abundantly clear they're, they're literally not signing anyone. Not signing a single other player. Trayvon Mullen. That's not an, a, 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 he wasn't actually on a team. So they haven't signed a single free agent from another team. They're one of two teams in the NFL that hasn't done that. It's extraordinary. That's how far they're willing to go to make sure they make it clear, whatever we do, we're going to get Lamar back, so don't bother. Don't bother putting an offer sheet out there because we're going to get him back. If you're Lamar Jackson, whatever the rules might be, does that not feel like dirty pool to you? You're telling me go explore the market? Hey, man, go figure out what your market is, but you're not allowing for there to be a market? So what's the answer? What's the recourse? Is the answer just to say, well, they got me. I'll just come right back to their number. (laughs) Gee, gosh, golly, I tried. But, guys, they got me. I just have to sign for whatever the Ravens want because nobody else will make an offer because they know the Ravens will match it. What is the recourse here? And to be clear, I don't have the answer. But it's why I think the answer might be to fight. So it seems like... it's it's how you're feeling with Lamar is where this is going to go. So you're moving it down? Is that your... 68%. 68%. 68%. So that is a 6% drop. And when you when you put it out there, phrase it as we're dropping the Lamar meter to 68% based on the statements that D. Smith and put out and Lamar Jackson deciding it was finally time for him to start speaking publicly. Glenn is concerned that Lamar Jackson's up for a bigger fight here. That's my reality. I think Lamar's up for a fight today. Again, we watch this, whatever you want to call this thing, this video, this interview, this whatever it is, and he comes out and says, I love Baltimore, and that's really where I want to be, and we're still just trying to work out the fun. Then, you know, clearly that's going to change things. But today, he looks like a man who's ready to fight. And I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do if you're 
Lamar Jackson and you feel like this hasn't been fair. And it's not the Ravens' fault that the CBA is set up the way that it is. That's an NFLPA problem. But it also doesn't mean that Lamar Jackson just has to roll over and accept it. If you feel like you have not gotten a fair opportunity to explore your market, I don't know how you just run back and say, eh, you got me, guys. All good. All good. You got me. You're right, I'm wrong. I don't know how anyone does that. So, I, I, that's where I am. This was an interesting timing to me, and it drops the number down to 68%, because it does feel like there's a bigger fight. And what's interesting is, that's the topic that our next guest, kind of wrote about and he made a comparison that I've made a few times in this process that I'm just not sure how much Lamar Jackson cares about it but it's interesting to me joining us now an absolute legend in this business he is now with Anscape and ESPN he is longtime sports writer Mr. Bill Roden and he's back with us now here on GCR and I should point out of course Morgan State alum Bill Roden that is important Bill, it's Glenn. Good morning, my friend. It is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Hey, Glenn. How you doing? I'm all right, man. You you referenced something in your most recent piece at Anscape that I have I've hinted around and I just can't get an answer to. And it's I don't know how much Lamar Jackson's in for this fight, but I'm I'm yeah. almost feeling that like he's being not by the NFLPA specifically, but by the circumstances, almost being forced to be in for the fight. And let me paint this picture that I just brought up on the show this morning. If you're Lamar Jackson and you feel like one way or the other, either you're being colluded against legitimately or even if it's as simple as the Ravens are taking advantage of this franchise tag system in order to say to other teams, don't put any offer sheets in because whatever you do, we're just going to match it therefore eliminating the ability for a market to be set. If you're Lamar Jackson yeah. and you feel like dirty pool is being played, is your answer just to say, well, you guys got me. I'll go ahead and sign at whatever number you want to give me. Or is the answer, hey, this this can't be it. This can't be right. I have to fight about this somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point. And I think you're right. I, I think you're right on so many fronts. Uh, that, yeah, I don't think, again, you know, I don't have dinner with Lamar, but he does not strike me as the kind of guy who's like this revolutionary mm-hmm. kind of person, you know. Uh, but I think that he's been radicalized, like you said, when he looks into it, you know, this is, this is screwed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't win. You know, uh, the, the deck is stacked against me, and it is colluding. You know, and I think that the more he gets into it, the more you see how this thing works and it's structurally wrong, you know, it's structurally wrong. And, you know, uh, I think that, um, you know, know, if if he is as stubborn as he should be, you know, perhaps he's going to go to the mat with this and play this out. I just think the next level of this is that he needs help. You know, he needs like the Joe Burrow. Uh, and the um, Justin uh, Herbert. He needs help. He needs uh, some other 
quarterbacks to do what star quarterbacks in the past have not done. You know, the Brady's and the Breeze and the Mannings and Russell Wilson, uh, who kind of just, you know, uh, done what everybody else has done, take, you know, take a make a deal, but not demand that it's guaranteed. But right. no, I think you're right that he probably did not go into this, you know, like as Christmas addicts, right. <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, or, or Kurt Flood even. Yep. I, yeah, I think, I think Kurt Flood, uh, you know, and you could give the, your listeners, who I'm sure are all history people. You could tell them who he is. Oh, we've talked about, by, by, by the way, Kurt, we, we've been talking about a comparison to Kurt Flood for weeks on this show. I just, to your yeah. point, it, Nothing about Lamar has ever struck me that, that he's that guy. Right. I, you and I are kind of walking right. the same line right now, which is I don't think this right. is what he's all about, but he's going through this process turning him to a place where he's almost right. saying, I kind of have to be this guy. And to your point, it's not just the quarterback. Look, the NFLPA, every time they've had the chance to fight, they've backed down the moment and for a long time now, for decades now, the moment that they realized it was going to cost them actual money, the moment that it was we have to give up money in order to keep this fight up, they've said, all right, no, we can't do that. You know, the, the rank and file are not on board with giving up money. We're going to have to back down at some point. So yeah. it's, that's, it's not the Ravens' fault or it's not another team's fault that the fight has not been more significant from the NFLPA. But at some point – how many times can you just keep giving in and giving in and giving in and giving in? Yeah, and that's the, that's the whole problem. I remember the last conversation I had with uh, the late Gene Upshaw was that, you know, he had already been in two bloody losses. And he said, I'm concerned that this next generation of athletes, they, they just don't know how to fight. Mm. They're not really into a fight, you know. And I think that's probably – what uh, the Demoris, uh Smith regime is recognizing, you know, these guys aren't going to fight. So you're right, but you keep at what point, at what point do you fight? You know, at what point, you know, you know, you get pushed around, pushed around, and at what point do you dig your heels in? I mean, you know, that's one thing I do respect about Major League Baseball, that right. the owners will not screw with them because they know that they'll shut it down. You know, there's just a commitment there. Uh, there's not historically been that commitment. And, and, you know, frankly, it's because the star players who are the quarterbacks have often been the first people to cross the line. Yep. You know, they, they, they've never really participated. And, and, and you know, and, and, and again, as I talked about before, you know, even his last deal with Russell Wilson and the deal with even uh, uh, Murray yep. uh, and Bree, you know, not, none of them, none of them have decided they wanted uh take up this fight, and, and I don't know, you dealt with ages. I think there's, we're dealing with an incestuous relationship here between agents and the executives they deal with and the owners. They're all kind of in the same bed. You know, you've got agents who've got these multiple clients, and they want repeat business, and do they want to be the ones who, <laughs> you know, who go to the mat with this and tell these high-priced clients to, to fight for guaranteed contracts? And are the owner, the executives, them okay? You know, you want to be put on our blacklist. You know, so I, I just think there's a lot, uh, there's a lot going on here. But I also feel, and listen, man, you've been doing this for a long time. I, I bet you, if we would go back to like 1971, you know, uh, with free agency, 
some of these same people were making the same argument. Sure. About how free agencies blah, 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 blah. And now you look at it, we've got a whole week dedicated to excitement <laughs> around free agency. Great. So I just think that this is inevitable, but who's going to be, you know, who's going to volunteer to be, you know, the, you know, the, the casualty? Yeah, he is Bill Roden. He is with us here on GCR. We're going to link up his column to our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. You can read it at Anscape. And I, Bill, there's so much that you're saying, and we're in lockstep about so many things here. I, 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 I will. It, the one thing that we pointed out by some is that uniquely fully guaranteed contracts would have an adverse effect in a salary cap sport because inevitably you would reach a point in which so much of your salary cap was being taken up by players who were not able to help your team because you had to give up fully guaranteed contracts. And while I understand the argument, I also know that there are ways to go about considerations for, you know, separating injured players, things that you can do when you actually sit down and work this out and attempt to come up with a solution. The problem being that the owners who have the power have no interest in coming up with that solution and again, the players aren't up for the fight in the process or haven't proven to be up for the fight because, to be fair to what you're saying, they probably feel, you know, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, they're probably like, dude, I'm wealthy enough. Why am I Why am I worried about the next step? I'm, I'm plenty wealthy in this process. I'm good. And I, you know, I don't want to beat them up too much because if somebody offered me that type of money, I'd probably be in a place where I'd say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just take it. So... So where where do we go? What is it? What what do we do? Short of Lamar Jackson just individually saying, if it requires me to be a martyr in this process, if it requires me to sit out entirely to refuse to play, so that I don't you know fall in line, what else could happen here? Yeah, I, I think you're I, I think you're you're right in that um, uh, the owners. Put it like this. I guess as you were making your point about the impact that guarantees would have, they will adjust, man. They've mm-hmm. always adjusted. Mm-hmm. They will adjust. Once this becomes a fact of life, just like once free agency became a fact of life, they adjusted. All the sky is falling. They adjusted. And, again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not the, the, a salary cap. Experts, right? Well, and and there's, there's, there's too much money at stake to not adjust, right? <laughs> like, what yeah, you, you got to adjust. You right. said, Whatever that, whatever they have to do to adjust and continue to make money, they'll adjust. Uh, will it be to um, uh, again? I don't, I don't even know how they will make the adjustment. But trust me, they will make the adjustment once this becomes a fact of life. You know, once a was Lamar Jackson or or Justin Herbert uh, or um, uh, uh, you know, kid in Cincinnati, why, yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow, Burrow, yeah. Uh, you know, you think that they would be as cavalier as the Ravens are being? You know, the Ravens were really, really, really confident that we can go the exclusive tag route and nobody's going to be knocking down your, your door, Lamar. Why? We know why. Because <laughs> we talked to them. Yep. You know, we know that nobody's going to be doing that. Now, will they be as confident? And, and again, I think race does enter into it. You know, when you've got a, a white superstar like a Joe Burrow or like a Justin Herbert, you know, who says the same thing that, you know what, we want fully guaranteed contract. Do you think Cincinnati or uh, the Chargers, they go ahead and walk, you know, we're confident 
that our 30, our, our 30 other owners will not break ranks to grab a young, star, white quarterback, you know. Um, but, you know, and, and once that happens, I think they'll make the adjustment. I don't know how they're going to make the adjustment, but it will. Another thing that kind of um, blows me away, and I don't know if you found the same thing, is that so many fans who otherwise might be pro-worker are so pro-management. Hmm. It just stuns hmm. me how many fans are just all pro-management when it comes to this. Talking about so how, who's, who's overpaid and this, you know, so anti-worker when it comes to the NFL. Uh, and that's another thing that athletes have to contend with, that you've got this pro-management uh, undercurrent. I mean, I know that's not the subject of this, but... No, but uh, uh, it's, it's interesting because I, I've talked about this a few times during labor disputes. G- given that uh, you know these particular players are wealthy to some extent, it's easy to separate because we know the numbers, right? But what we don't know is right. the numbers for the owners, or we don't try to find out the numbers for the owners as significantly. We don't. Right. We, 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 we posit this and say, well, isn't X amount of dollars enough? Somebody finds out Lamar Jackson got a contract offer that was for $133 million fully guaranteed you know, as part of a larger deal, and someone says, well, it, shouldn't that be enough? You know, like aren't these greedy players that are asking for more – because there's no juxtaposition off of, well, what is someone making off of Lamar Jackson? Like, wh- how much is he actually right. worth to the franchise that they're willing to pay him this much? Oh, it's because he's actually worth, you know, X number to the team? I, we don't do that right. because we don't have owner contracts in front of us. And, you know, nobody ever wants you to look at their book books and everybody wants to believe that it's not really a money-making business. That's what we always hear from the owners. Well, you know... I don't do this because right. it's what's making me. Right. It's and it's nonsense. It's insane, and it it doesn't right. mean that I feel right. sorry for the players. They are doing quite well. I have no sympathy for anyone involved, but I sure as f don't have sympathy for the other other side. Yeah, no, you get, yeah, and I think the premise of it. I mean, I think the, the fundamental difference is that there's this, I think, envy and jealousy. How many times have you heard your callers, somebody say? But I, I would do this for free. Right. You know, these right. guys are getting paid to play a kid's game. And I right. think that's kind of what, what pisses people off. The fact that, you know, you play Little League baseball and or, or basketball or football or hockey. And, you know, the, the, the sports, it's a pyramid thing. That the closer you get to, it, to, to the top, it weeds people out. And you've got a lot of frustrated people who love playing youth baseball and all that, and they just weren't good enough. And they'll call in. So I would give anything. I'd give anything yep. if, that, if I get paid to play. You know, uh, they don't say I'd give anything to be paid to own. You know. Yep. And, and so I think that there's this envy and jealousy that is kind of underpinning of this when they get pissed off at players for not taking what's given for them because they should be grateful. Uh, it's I. We agree. Again, we're doing a lot of agreeing, Bill, but that's the way it goes. And I'm glad. If there's somebody I'm okay with agreeing with, it's someone as intelligent as yourself, my friend. I'm glad that you're the person that I'm agreeing with. So so I'll ask, yeah. wh- what do you think comes next? I know you've been doing a lot of Lamar coverage over the course of the last year. What do you think is next in uh, all of this? Like, what Do you have any gut for it? Not. Not really. I mean, my, you know, I, I'd love to have a conversation with Lamar when this is all over. Uh, I have no idea. We, I think we, 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 right now, we're saying, would there be any, any owner of a team who would break ranks? 
you know. Um, I thought that you know, maybe it would be Indianapolis, you know. But when you see all of these teams signing these mediocre guys, these backups, you know, these backups, it's almost like sending this message out. So I don't know. You know I really cannot offer a guess as to where, you know, where, where will Lamar sit it all out? Will he say, I'm not signing this, and I will just not play, you know. Um, will he negotiate a team? In other words, if he wants to get more than the Ravens were going to give him with his tag, which I think is what is thirty-two million is is, is, is the number yep. that's yep. out there. Yep. So, and, and or four, it would have been forty-five had it been uh, the exclusive the, number, uh, yeah. non-exclusive. Yep. So, but what happens if a team, if he can get a team to agree that maybe they'll pay him fifty, you know? Uh, maybe not all guaranteed. I, I don't. I don't know whether he'll make a concession just to make the Ravens pay him more than they wanted to pay, or because this has got so deeply personal, will he take the same offer the Ravens were going to give him, but just not give them satisfaction playing there? Um, but all, all it seems at this point, uh, uh, you know, in, in March, uh, March twentieth, where we are, twenty twenty three, the owner, the ownership class of the NBA of the NFL seems to be pretty resolute that they will not let this young black kid from Florida, you know, force them to change the foundation of this system. Um, I just, I just know personally, I, I, I think the foundation is going to change eventually. Um, Lamar, I think is the, is the first person is going to really take him to the mat. I just hope that that the Joe Burrows and the uh, Justin Herberts and the uh, 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 Jalen Hurts, Hurts yeah. of the world yeah. Yeah, will we'll say, you know what, Lamar really think he has something. I think if we all act in lockstep, they're not going to let us all go. They're not going to let Philadelphia's not going to let Jalen Hurts go. Right, right. Uh, uh, the Chargers are not going to let Justin Herbert go. The Bengals are not going to let Joe Burrow go thinking that nobody's going to jump out there. I think that the owners will probably screw this. <laughs> yep, and that's the time. Yeah. That's the time where they figured out. They separate quarterback from the salary cap or whatever it is they're going to do in order to make it work. Right. Uh, Bill Roden, right. it is really thoughtful stuff, man. Um, I, I always appreciate our conversations. Um, is there anything that I can plug for you? I wish, man. I'll call you. <laughs> whenever, whenever you have something for me, you let me know. I promise you we will make sure we talk it up. Bill, it's always a thrill. Thank, you for, thank you for taking the time for us this morning. All right, Glenn. Take care of yourself. I appreciate it. That's uh, Bill Roden, uh, who's with us here on GCR from uh, Anscape. And uh, Brian, God bless Smith's comments are a pretty good sign that the union is using Lamar's situation to their own ends, but I don't know what bigger fight means here. He's not going to sit out 2023. You have no clue. You're just saying things. And I get it. We kind of all are. But that's my point. My point is I don't know. I still think it's better than 50-50. Clearly. But to just say confidently he's not going to sit out 2023 says who? Well, it doesn't seem like something he would do. I I hear you. 
He's already proven you wrong about the agent. Who's to say what's next? Who's to say that he doesn't say in his mind, watch me do it again? Remember the, the goofy meme where we, where we use, uh, I'm going to do it again too or whatever. Who's to say? We're just saying things. To Bill Roden's point, I'm fascinated by it. Again, if it didn't affect us so deeply, it would be the most fascinating moment perhaps in football history away from the field in, in this sphere in contract negotiations. How far is he willing to go with this fight? And you guys can keep trying to make it seem like it's only about the NFLPA because you, don't, you want to take away Lamar Jackson's agency, his autonomy. Lamar is in for the fight. However he got here, whoever's convinced him, to at least this point, he's been in for a fight. How much more of a fight is he in for? Remains to be seen. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Hope you had a good weekend. Bet in March Madness. If you haven't used Betfred it's time, man. Bet $50 and get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for bet Fred specials and other great sign-up deals. And that's the point. In order to take advantage of it, you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. That's the only way to get in on betting $50 and getting up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets. We come back in. We'll talk a little bit more about March Madness. Pat Kennedy is going to join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? Whether it's job loss or a change in career, CCBC has funding available for short-term career programs like welding. Our welding program provides hands-on training with experienced instructors, preparing you for a career in a high-demand field. And with classes starting in March, now is the perfect time to take advantage of this opportunity. Don't let the pandemic hold you back any longer. Call CCBC today at 443-840-2222 or on online at ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC, welding. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know what's on Grinder or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right. Um, look, man, we, I, I can only do so much. I'm not going to keep doing two hours of Lamar every day, I promise. Let's get into Well, I mean, we could. Let's be clear about that. We could. Joe, let's, let's switch gears. Let's talk a little NCAA tournament. And joining us now, as he has done so many times over the years, he is a friend of ours. Of course, the former coach not only here at Towson, but also at Florida State and DePaul and Montana. He is our friend, Mr. Pat Kennedy, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Oh, hey, Glenn. Always always great to be with you guys, and uh, I've always kept a, a close eye on Towson. I think Pat Scurry did a great job yeah. this year. That conference just had a lot of – they had a lot of outstanding teams in that conference. No that conference doubt. is really – turned in the right direction so hopefully he'll keep it going the, the way he has charleston was such a buzzsaw man my god and they were right there with him obviously just unfortunate that it uh, yeah oh no they were right there i mean when you have 22 23 wins and you're in a conference of that nature now uh like i said those top teams uh Char- college of charleston man they they just played their fannies off in the uh, in the ncaa tournament so they they represented the CAA very well. And by the way, people might have missed it. Hoster actually beat Rutgers in the NIT too. Like I think that might have yeah, been unnoticed by a lot of people, but Hofstra beat Rutgers in the NIT. Like that's how good. Yeah. And I watched part parts of that game. I'll tell you what, they just played them straight up, you know, and Rutgers uh, you know, holds very well in the Big Ten. Yep. 
And of course, now the Maryland fans are, are used to Big Ten basketball. So, uh, yeah, so all good, interesting stuff. All right, Pat, before we get to the 16 teams that are left, um, you, you bring up Maryland. I want to talk a little bit about that. I, 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 I'd said a week ago that I wasn't all that concerned about what happened with Maryland in the tournament, that even if they got hammered by Alabama or if they had lost even to West Virginia, it wasn't that big of a deal to me because my thought process is this has been a successful season. They have accomplished more than I think could have been reasonably expected given their lack of depth and that if this is the floor for Kevin Willard, if this is what he can do without the benefit of recruiting, then I think there's every reason to be excited and to believe in what could be coming during Kevin Willard's tenure at the University of Maryland. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Absolutely. And um, I'm a big Kevin Willard fan. I I go back. uh, He actually played against my teams when he was at Sure. Western Kentucky, he played for his dad, Ralph Willard. And then, of course, uh, people don't realize he had a tenure at Iona, which it seems like everybody does <laughs> <laughs> before be, before they move on. You know, people often talk about Jimmy V and myself and Timmy Welsh and Jeff yeah. Rulin, but people forget that uh, that Kevin was there as well. So he is a terrific coach, uh, and he can recruit. And like you said, if this is the, if this is the floor for him, uh, then, then there's going to be a lot of exciting times in the future. And I will tell you one thing about Kevin, very composed, handles himself very well. You can see he's a competitor, but believe me, he is a very intense, tough competitor. So he's going to get out in those recruiting trails. He's going to go out and get in that portal. And, uh, and, and he's going to be very aggressive, and he's going to be very hard to beat when he gets his hands on some of the kids that he wants. So, but you, you can also see this, Glenn. This is all, as it always has been, recruiting has been a key. But now with this portal, I mean, recruiting of these kids that are in the portal is just going to be essentially huge. A lot of these programs are just going to have one or two coaches that do nothing but watch tapes on other schools around the country and try to pinpoint a top 10 group of guys that might be in the portal. Well, I mean, I think we're, you know, just from Towson last year, Nick Timberlake is in the portal. And I think there's a lot of high majors that are looking at him and saying, that could be the perfect fit for us for one season as a guy that could be a, make a difference. Um, Pat, I, I'm going to ask this question. Look, Michigan State, Tom Izzo, it's it's unbelievable, right? Like, just go ahead and pencil them in to make a deep run every March. It's the way it goes. <laughs> but here we are, another year where we talked all throughout the year about how tough the Big Ten was, and most of it is not left standing by the time we get to the Sweet 16. Um, and that includes, obviously, a shocking loss for Purdue against Fairleigh Dickinson, as they had been the one kind of consistent team in the league all year long. So if you're Kevin Willard, how do you measure building a team that's capable of winning in the Big Ten, a more physical league, a league where you know, you're going to be up for fights more frequently versus trying to build a team that's better suited for the NCAA tournament with more athleticism, with better guard play, how do you handle that balance in the coming years as we have to acknowledge the continued struggles of this league in the NCAA tournaments? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think, I think the most important way for a coach to answer that is you have to stay with your style. You have to stay with your system. Uh, I made that mistake when I was at Florida State. My team's remembered for pressing and running and being yep. quick. And then we got in the ACC, and all of a sudden there was Eric Montrose and all of these monsters around the league. And I went big. I went out and got Kirk Luckman, a 6'11 kid from Medford, New Jersey, and a bunch of other, other really big kids. And then we started playing half-court slow. I think Kevin will stay with his system. 
and I think it will do him very well uh, because some schools are going to break out from that way that um, the Big Ten is known about playing. But remember this, Glenn, Michigan State is one of the teams, though, that can play both ways. Michigan State can slug it out with you. Right. And then, you know, you, you can see with the guard they have, like Walker, if you want to start flying up and down the floor, they're not afraid to do that as well. I think the one thing that the uh, that the Big Ten has maintained is it's it's still kind of more of a set-oriented team, you know, like Purdue running a lot of sets, Indiana running a lot of sets, uh, et cetera, et cetera, where some of these other leagues have opened it up, like the Southeastern Conference uh, and even the Big 12. So um, I think that uh, Kevin's style of play is going to work well. I, I don't think he should change anything. Uh, to me, he almost looks like a Big 12-type team. Uh, where he's going to have athletes, he's going to have skilled guys, and he's going to have some power people uh, as well. So he'll 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 get a good balance, and he should stay with his system. He is Pat Kennedy. He is with us here on GCR. He definitely had uh, Creighton and Princeton matching up in the suite. You definitely had that in your bracket, right, Coach? You you <laughs> well, totally saw hey, that coming. Say, I tell you what, two two really uh, under not so so straight underrated, but. Coach McDermott has just always, oh, when he was at Northern Illinois, yeah. or excuse me, Northern Iowa, he did a great job. And uh, obviously the whole Princeton story is just phenomenal. But let me say this, Princeton flat out beat Missouri. I mean, they were, you know, they're two big kids up front. Princeton hasn't had two big kids up front like that. And they always had great guards like the kid Alaco uh, that are smart with the ball and can make shots. They're not running the Pete Carell system anymore. They're not running all of that backdoor cutting system. They are isolating and doing a few things different. So give credit for their coach for making the adjustments. But, I mean, they flat out were a better basketball team and almost equally as talented as Missouri. So, uh, the, the, I mean, there's, there are really a lot of great games in the Sweet 16. Creighton and Princeton will be the best chess match uh, of all. Of all of them, I'm really looking forward to that game. Who impressed you the most over the course of the first four days, Coach? Who did you come away from saying, that, to me, team looks like a national champion at this point? Well, that's great. I think Alabama is clearly the best team. Miller reminds me of almost like a Magic Johnson when he was at Michigan State. Uh, aside from all of the off-court distractions, the kid can do everything. Uh, he can play the point. He can score. He can rebound. He can defend. So to me, it's Alabama's to lose. And, and you know what was funny, Coach? I think I think Quinterly was even more impressive to me, right? Like that—that that to me was the guy that I said, "Oh, that—that that could be the difference in why this team could win the national championship." Absolutely, and I and I was going to get to that, and because that kid is such a great compliment for Miller, he can score the ball, which he has shown he can do so yeah. uh, in the NCAA tournament. So you you've got two major guns out there that you've got to stop. Uh, but the other team that I just think played so well yesterday was UConn. I mean, they manhandled St. Mary's, who's a very, very good basketball team. And St. Mary's has size and strength with all those Australian kids. So UConn was the other team. And, of course, there's a lot of chatter among the media. The one, the one team that everyone's not talking about is Gonzaga. And, obviously, UCLA has dealt with some injuries. And uh, UCLA and Gonzaga is going to be a great game. So, I think the Zags are hanging around on the outside looking in. They feel comfortable where they are because there's not a lot of publicity about them. And Timmy is a great leader and a great player. He could take them to the national championship. Uh, but I really like, you know, UConn looked like the UConn of the early season. Uh, great balance, and they started shooting the ball from range. So uh, UConn is a team I think that could win it as well. 
Uh, he is Pat Kennedy. He is with us here on GCR. Speaking of teams that maybe have a little bit been overlooked, um, I know Houston was a popular pick for a lot of people, but I I think there was a thought that maybe with the injury to Sasser that they might be in a bit of trouble. They had him back on the floor the other night. They 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 were able to get through that. If they can advance another weekend and Sasser can be a bit more healthy, they kind of go right back to being that team that we thought they were, don't they? Don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you you bring up a great point because you know I was I can tell Glenn when you watched it, you saw the same thing. I didn't see a hundred percent not at all. Sasser, but no, right. I mean that youngster was still struggling with with whatever the injury and the extent of the injury is. Um, so, and he's a huge key, by the way, you take him out of that lineup and all of those other four players step down a little bit of a notch, not totally, but a little bit. And Kelvin Sampson has just done a remarkable job at Houston in the last few years. And, uh, you, you just got to give them credit. So, but boy, I think you need him at a hundred percent. I think Sasser needs to be playing at a high clip and I don't know if there's enough games left to get him back to that level. So take him to the final four. Yes. Be good enough to win a national championship. Uh, I'm not sure about that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and look, we saw him play. To your point, he did not look. You know, he did not look great. And I know Jamal Shield. Jamal Sheet obviously is a part of that conversation as well. Um, Coach, what what have we learned? If there's any like conference takeaway, it feels like as much as we thought the Big Twelve was the power, and look, Texas could still very much win this tournament. And what a story that would be, given you know everything they went through this year with uh, losing their coach and having have an interim coach step up. The SEC kind of looks like the, the conference that's stepping up and saying, would you guys forget about us over the course of the first weekend yeah. of the tournament? Yeah, absolutely. I think, though, the other thing it shows, uh, Glenn, is that there is a great balance across the country, right? I mean, we still got two Big East teams uh, that are out there battling away. You know, So you've got a, a great a Pac-12 team, and you say, well, of course, the, the, the uh, alignments will all change. So I think you see uh, a great consistency across the country. You can't just pick uh, one or two conferences anymore and say they're going to, you know, you know, we always just say, oh, it's going to come out of the ACC, right? Because we always thought either Duke or Carolina. It seems like those days are behind us. Um, and I heard somebody use the, the, the term, it's, it's, it's a new age of, of uh, college basketball. And I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is, is how well the perceived, quote, unquote, low and mid-majors are playing against the high majors. That gap has definitely uh, closed. And, uh, you know, even a San Diego State, they used to be thought of as a mid-major. I mean, San Diego State, I don't think they're going to no. beat Alabama, but they're really a good, solid basketball. Xavier, you know, when, I, when, we, when we were coming up, Xavier was kind of a mid-major. You didn't think of Xavier as a high major. And right now there's a team, you talk about a dark horse, uh, there's a team that could beat Texas and could beat either Houston or Miami, I think, if they get there especially if their center plays well, because he's a, he's a handful. So uh, it's been interesting, but I like the gap closing between the mid uh, and the high majors. I think that's very obvious. Let me, let me ask about two coaching situations. One, because I brought it up at Texas. If, you know, what do you do? Like if, if Rodney Terry leads them to the Final Four, he's got to be the coach moving forward, right? I think there's already an <laughs> argument. From a lot of people, there's already an argument now that, like, what more, what more can he do for you He's already proven he should be their long-term coach. Yeah, well, let, let me say this. As a, as a former administrator a little bit, uh, I wouldn't disrupt anything he's doing right now. So I would not give him the job right now because that might take away or have some effect on how well they're playing and the momentum that they have. If so the players feel like I they're playing – if they feel like they're playing for him, you want that to continue. 
Right. You know, I don't want to disrupt that. I just let it, let it go. Just, but I would certainly grab coach Terry and say, coach, after the season, we're going to definitely sit down and have a really good, serious, positive conversation. Now that's not committing to him because in the interim of that, you know, maybe John Calipari does want the job and maybe the, the money people in Texas say, Hey, we love the job that Rodney did and we're going to wish him well. And we might even ask the new coach to keep him on. But Texas is big, big money, boy. I mean, they're, they're, they're not connected to anybody uh, in particular. But does he deserve for the, the job he's done? I can say he deserves it. But I can't say that a place like Texas is just going to automatically give it to him. I understand. I understand. They want to go out and get you. To your point about the money, they've got all of it. There's no question about that. And then right, the, right. Other, the other coaching question is, of course, right down the street here at Georgetown where it looks like Ed Cooley is going to be the answer. And Admittedly, Coach, I, I was really enamored with Ed Cooley when Maryland was going through this process. I just believe that he was such a beloved figure and so happy at Providence that he wasn't going to leave. Um, what do you make of the it, – it has been, you know, obviously some dark years for Georgetown basketball. Ed Cooley is such a popular figure at Providence. I, was just, I just had Noah Locke on the show last week. He was going on about how much he loves Ed Cooley. Can Ed Cooley, if indeed the deal gets done and he is the next coach at Georgetown, can he return the Hoyas to prominence? Yeah, I mean, Ed Cooley's going to win no matter where he coaches. I mean, he won at Fairfield, which is a very difficult place to win. And uh, everyone does love Ed. He's just one of those guys with a spectacular personality. Now, will Ed take the job? I mean, I, I don't think that's necessarily a done deal. I know that they've been sniffing around with the coach at Penn State as well. Uh, my own personal opinion is I think the coach from Penn State would be a better fit. I think taking a guy that's in your own conference uh, and bringing him back down, not 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 the best thing. I mean, if I was Ed Cooley, I'd be a little careful. Uh, I don't know if there's some special tie between Ed and Georgetown. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you one thing about the folks at Georgetown, and they've been very gracious with Patrick because Patrick is Patrick Ewing. He's Georgetown basketball. But who were the people involved with the decision to get rid of John Thompson the third. Hmm. I mean, my hmm. God. Hmm. I mean, when you look at the job he was doing and you look at where they're at now, they've just totally dismantled the program that he kept at a very, very high level. Uh, and now they're not even in the game. I mean, with these younger kids, you know, these programs that slip and fall like this, it's not that easy to get it back up and go. You know, you just don't knock on a door and say, hey, I'm Ed Cooley from Georgetown and some great player is going to jump through hoops. So I don't know. He's got an awfully good thing going at Providence. I'd be very careful if I was Ed Cooley. Pat Kennedy, uh, did I did I hear that you were back into working in the game about a year ago? That you <laughs> you, you can't you can't stay away. <laughs> no, yeah, I took a I took a high school athletic director and coaching job uh, in Florida, right outside Tallahassee, where I was for so many great cool. years uh, with the Seminoles. So we returned to Seminole land, reconnected with a bunch of friends. Uh, I'm coaching a great bunch of high school kids and working as an athletic director and really enjoying life and. Uh, Love the 82 and sunny weather. You know what I'm saying, Glenn? Yeah, man, I, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I could have used some of that yesterday when it was somehow <laughs> 17 degrees with a windshield back here in Baltimore, despite it being March 19th, Coach. You remember those days quite well. Uh, uh, yeah, well. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that you don't miss them. No, no, and I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I'm going to continue to do it. For as long as the good Lord keeps me healthy enough to do it, I just love being with kids. I love coaching, and I love, you know, above all, trying to help help young men move forward and change their lives a little bit.
Pat Kennedy. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for catching up with us. We'll make sure we do it again uh, somewhere before the end of the tournament, all right? Great, Glenn. Great being with you. Glad, glad things are going well for you guys. Thank you, Coach. Coach Pat Kennedy with us here on GCR. Hour number one of today's show in the books. Remember, gambling should be fun, but you got to set a limit and stay within it. And keep in mind that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. So two things NCAA tournament related really quickly that I, I just wanted to talk about. One, of course, being to say I was conflicted about Fairleigh Dickinson wouldn't begin to describe it. And and you'd say what you you know you're mad because now UMBC isn't the only one and that's not it actually that's not like like trust me there's a small part of me that was yeah, like, was like oh. how cool would it be if UMBC like forever had that but they were forever the only one it makes it all the more significant every time you talk about UMBC basketball but it's not really that like I, I get it that was a thing and I thought about it a little bit because UMBC will always get to be the first. They will always be the team that did the impossible. And I know this gets into an awkward conversation because people bring up the Harvard women beating Stanford a few years ago. I, I, I'm not trying to diminish what they did. They are the only one ever in the women's tournament. And someone might argue that's more impressive because there's more, more. veterans and more teams that are built for four. You know what was really fascinating to me watching the tournament, right? We now live in the era of NIL. But the teams that are at the, the companies that are advertising during the tournament are still using analysts and yeah. are still choosing. They like in their mind, it's better to try to pretend like Charles Barkley, Spike Lee, uh, Jennifer Garner, Jim Nance, and Samuel Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson are all best friends and some sort of superhero patrol than to advertise any of the players. But you know who has ads running in the NCAA tournament? Aliyah Boston. Oh yeah. Yeah. For Under Armour. Yeah. Is being featured in NCAA tournament ads. I didn't see anyone else. Maybe there's somebody I just I, I couldn't tell. One of the spots definitely had Kentucky players, but I thought it was former players. I couldn't tell who it was um just because I wasn't fully paying attention. I do know that none of them are highly profiled. And to to be clear, who would it be? The biggest star in the tournament is the least marketable of any of them. That's Brandon Miller, right? He is by far the most known player in the men's tournament. Meanwhile, in the women's tournament... Drew Timmy's pretty big, I feel like. Yeah, Mm. but like he, unfortunately for him, because they're so far separated from the rest of the country, within basketball circles, he's really well-known, but... It's not like he's gonna be an NBA star. Like, well, there's part of that, and the, yeah. Zach Eady. I guess, maybe that's unfair. Zach Eady was probably going into the tournament the biggest basketball star, but part of the Zach Eady conversation is absolutely the yeah, but he's not an NBA player. Mm. Brandon Miller, of course, is an NBA player, but again, you can't market him. Trace, Ali- Trace Jackson Davis would be good if they figured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely more an NBA player, unlike Zach Eady, but. You know, that's maybe that's a little bit surprising that there isn't mm-hmm. a bit more thrown behind him. Of course, he'd be eliminated at this point. Yeah. You'd feel kind of silly about that. But Aaliyah Boston, Caitlin Clark is, of course, the yeah. biggest star that exists. I would argue argue Angel Reese is a bigger mm-hmm. star than most of these. Like, you know, by the way, the way Diamond Miller played in the third quarter yesterday, holy crap. 
that was a that was a nice show that Maryland put on. Congratulations to Maryland on to the Sweet 16. It does not, boy, it does not get easy from here. Notre Dame and then likely South Carolina if they were to win that one. Yikes! Yikes! Now, of course, they beat Notre Dame earlier in the year. Uh, did it on a buzzer beater. So may they go do it again, right? May they somehow figure out a way to beat Notre Dame again a second time. But it is not gonna be easy. Um. If you didn't watch that game yesterday, my God, the display. Because in the second quarter, it started looking hairy, right? Like, it was looking really nervy. And you remember, this is Arizona we're talking about. This is Adia Barnes. Like, this is a well-coached team that's accomplished a lot of things and had high expectations this season but just kind of was inconsistent. And all of a sudden, down the stretch, you're like, oh, maybe there's a reminder that this is Arizona. So Maryland's second half, very impressive. But... That doesn't mean they're going to go beat Notre Dame and South Carolina next weekend either. To the point, that really jumped out at me. Let me go back to Fairleigh Dickinson for a second. What was so noticeable to me and why it was so difficult and frankly cringeworthy to try to embrace that moment was the obvious. Fairleigh Dickinson didn't belong in the NCAA tournament. And I can't change my mind about that just because they pulled off a cool upset. I can't suddenly say to myself, no, you know what, this is a great story. It's not. It's a terrible story. It's horribly unfair to Mary Mack that Fairleigh Dickinson was given that opportunity. If you don't know, and I don't know how you could possibly not know if you've been paying attention to anything, Mary Mack won the NEC. But the NCAA, for whatever stupid reason, has some rule where you're allowed to come to Division I, but you're not allowed to qualify for the tournament. Until, is it four years? I think it might be four years. Four years. I have zero idea why such a rule would exist. I have no clue what they think it benefits. All it does is create controversy in moments like this that no one deserves. You're allowed to compete. So is Hartford, by the way, who's on their way out. It's insane. It's the dumbest rule that exists. It stinks to high heavens. And yet it's the rule. Merrimack beats Fairleigh Dickinson, wins the league. Fairleigh Dickinson has no leg to stand on to say they should be in the NCAA tournament. They sure as hell don't deserve an at-large bid, and they shouldn't have gotten an automatic qualification. There is no world in which Fairleigh Dickinson belonged in the NCAA tournament. And you don't get to do reverse, well, they proved they did because they beat Purdue, and they damn near beat Florida Atlantic. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm not going to come off of this just because they did something cool. If if the 16 seed that had won had been one of the other 16 seeds, if Northern Kentucky had beaten even a depleted, remember, of course, you know, when UMBC beat Virginia, Virginia was a little, they were, who were they? They were missing, um, they were missing. Oh, God, who the hell were they missing that year? Kyle, was, was, Kyle Guy was still there, right? Yeah, it was, but it, was it Guy or was it the other one? Uh, I can't remember. It wasn't Hunter, was it? Might have been, was it DeAndre Hunter? I can't remember which one of them it was. One of them was not playing in the UNBC, and I've, it's been five years. So, yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I you know, 
I'm sorry. I just I've forgotten about it. Uh, I think yeah, I mean, it was DeAndre Hunter. Thank you. DeAndre Hunter was who was missing. Pretty significant, right? Like, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't make me feel any different about what UMBC did. Obviously, also the fact that they, you know, absolutely pasted them, like demolished them. There was nothing fluky about it. None of it changes my feelings about that. So even if Northern Kentucky had beat a depleted Houston team, I would have celebrated it. It would have been one of the coolest moments in NCAA tournament history to me. But it wasn't. It was... And it I shouldn't have happened. Yeah, and I and I and definitely uh, I I understand your you know lack of like you know not and I'm the like, guy that loves I live right for exactly this, right like this to me is what makes this event so great. But I can't if you would ask me on Wednesday of last week should Fairleigh Dickinson be in the tournament? It would have been an emphatic no. Merrimack should be. They won the league. That's the way the process works. You win the they decide what the qualification is. You win the tournament. You get to go. No, they don't belong. And I don't get to go back and say, ah, nope, I was wrong. No, they shouldn't have been there, period. End of story. And that's what I mean. That's just why people love this tournament, and that's why it brings in people who don't watch college basketball all year. They well, come they, into it. And so I, I don't know what the answer that. is. Yeah. Nobody, the yeah. average person has no thought about it whatsoever. Also, by the way, so, the story where a 20-year-old kid is, be, is the SID for Fairleigh Dickinson that everybody was in love with is not a flex. It's embarrassing. And, you know, God bless the kid for working hard and grinding, and, you know, he'll probably do this for a long time and be very successful, but that's not a good thing. It shouldn't be celebrated. It's a huge problem. Those, everybody involved deserves better. The kid deserves someone better to learn from, to improve his... Game notes. And, uh, yes, yeah. opportunities. All of it is bad. It was very uncomfortable the way that we were hoisting that story up. Like, wow, this is amazing, a 20-year-old... No, this shouldn't be that way. We're, we're so cheap that we're letting 20-year-olds do the jobs of... Season veterans? Well, this will. I mean, uh, I mean, this will help FDU. Like the. Like, I would. I would hope that it would be an influx of cash. That's why. They would I don't know. I mean, I. I. I'm trying to figure out the argument against it, and I, but other the than other, against what? Against that, you know, it's it's still a great story. It's it is, like that's the weird part. Mm-hmm. It's not nothing. I know that. <laughs> There's still a 16 seed that beat a one seed, and that still only happened twice. That's. It's remarkable. But. I not one for me to celebrate, man. I don't have if they had won yesterday, I would not be sitting here telling you about how much buzz I have for Fairleigh Dickinson. Because I can't I can't shake that it's a wrong. It's wrong that they were allowed to go instead of the team that deserved it. And frankly, and I'll be honest about this, it can't compare to UMBC. Because you know what was interesting talking to Ryan Odom last week? The thing that he was sharing the messages about that that it wasn't the anniversary of the Virginia game. That wasn't the thing that all of his players were texting about. They were talking about the, the Vermont, Vermont game. game. Yeah. It was the five year anniversary of when they won a championship. Fairleigh Dickinson didn't win a championship. They won a very cool basketball game. Don't get me wrong. And the the story of the dude saying, I think we can beat Purdue and then, you know, going out and doing it anyway, that's that's something. That championship meant everything to those UMBC players, in part because Vermont was such an overwhelming powerhouse and had literally 
as people might remember, the first day that the new arena was open, they hosted Vermont and got their ass handed to them. I mean, demolished in that game at home. And then they turn around and they went and they beat Vermont. The championship mattered. So much so that they were sharing texts about it with each other. And outside of you and I and a handful of people around here, no one has any memories of it. But that's how much it meant to them to win a championship. And, of course, Jairus Lyles, you know, with one of the great shots in local basketball history. Fairleigh Dickinson didn't experience that. It can't be the same. It can't be. We can't and, look at it the same way. And, well, I guess maybe this, the argument should be we can't take it out on FDU. we got to look at the NCAA and the way that yes, the, these sure, it's not archaic Dickinson's, rules. It's not yeah. Fairleigh Dickinson's fault that the rules allowed you know, them to play the in this game. Bad rules yeah. impact that benefited them. That terrible rules were used to their benefit. It's not their fault, but I, this is about me, Glenn Clark, I can't feel it. I can't feel the same thing. I felt way more for Princeton. I felt way more for Fer- of course Furman also gave us the moment of the tournament, right? Like that part of what we love is like you remember guys that hit the buzzer beaters. You remember the Ali Farouk Maneshes of the world over the years. That's the joy of the NCAA tournament. And so Furman gave us that. They gave us the moment. Fairleigh Dickinson won a basketball game, which was remarkable, but the moment of the tournament was the Furman-Virginia thing. It's that, oh, my God, I'm so glad I was watching basketball on a Thursday afternoon thing that we all talk about. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to say about it. I don't – I I hate being the guy that yucks somebody else's yum. Like, everybody else in the country loves it and is having fun with it, and I'm like, nah, dude, I I can't. But – that's my reality. My reality is I can't pretend like it means the same or that it's anywhere near the same for a team that shouldn't have been there to begin with to have pulled off that upset. It's uncomfortable for me, frankly. It's a... I would have preferred they just go quietly and NCAA fixes the rule. Fix it. Fix this. It's, it's not fair. It's an injustice. There is no reason why Merrimack should not have been in the NCAA tournament. And, and like, and get off my lawn. And should they just, and should they just not let these teams in the conference tournament? I mean, I guess that's probably the best route, so that way we don't I, have a situation exactly I, like I, this. I, I guess, but I would say that's again, still, it's just tell bad. me why it is they can't go. Explain to me what advantage Merrimack has that they shouldn't be allowed to participate in the NCAA tournament. What is the reasoning for the existence of the rule? Outside of what the NCAA has always done, it's that episode of South Park with the Crack Baby Basketball Association where he looks up and says, well, the rule is all the way up there. Am I supposed to get a bigger ladder to go up there and try to fix the rule? We can't do anything about it. There is no reason for this rule to exist. None. Zero. Fix it. It's, it's to ensure that the program can handle rule changes and subsist at the higher level. Really? You, you don't think that winning the conference tournament isn't enough proof that they can handle? Th- they would say, well, we want to make sure they're not breaking any rules as they do this. Because as you know, D2 if there's one thing that the NCAA is really good at, it's making sure that no one's breaking any rules. Let's enforce it on Merrimack. Not Kansas. They can do whatever they want with the rules. Merrimack 
is the team that we need to make sure we are scrutinizing and watching. In fact, the next time Kansas breaks a rule, Merrimack will end up being the one that gets punished somehow. All right, I'm sorry. I know. It's a nerd thing, and the rest of you are like, dude, a 16 seed beat a one seed. Celebrate it. No, no. They shouldn't have been there, period. And I can't come off it just because I think we can acknowledge cool. both. We can be excited that a 16 beat a one. I can't, man. I can't. I just can't. It di- I did not feel it at all. And I'm telling you, any other 16 seed, it would have been awesome to me. It would have... In any single one of these, Texas A&M Corpus Christi ends up beating, you know, they are the ones in the game against Purdue. Oh, my God. I'm, You're a big I'm, Islanders fan. I'm jumping off my seat. I'm, it is the yeah. uniqueness of, I can't shake. You shouldn't be there. You didn't. Like, that's part of the tournament. The part of the tournament is everybody can win a national champ. Every That's what makes basketball so great. Any team in the country could win a national championship. Princeton could win the national championship. They could. One of 16 shot. That's the way it works. That's what makes the sport so great. Except when you're reminded someone wasn't allowed to. I, I can't shake that. So is it is inherently not the way this tournament is supposed to op- operate. So the 2023 champion will be an illegitimate champion. Well, I mean, plus that and the bull-ass call on Kansas at the end of the game the other night that got them eliminated. Horse s call that terrible was. call in the Memphis FAU game. Yeah, it was that I wasn't nearly this. They, they, they were taking their time out. Um, Who was the tie up? What game? That was the Memphis FAU game. Yeah, that was the Memphis game. FAU yeah. game. They called the tie up when yeah, they were, every well, single off, Memphis player was, yes, except it, the player with the ball was calling and, timeout. Well, so and were, there was no actual tie up on top yeah, of it. Yeah. Like I, I'm actually with you. Did, now you picked. Uh, I Mem- picked Memphis, and I had. But Memphis. you picked them to go win the national championship, right? I had them. No, uh, no, but you picked them to win the national championship, right? No, because obviously, since you picked them to win the national championship. I'm going to give you a pass, right? So you're good, right? Because you picked them? I didn't pick oh. them to win. The well, I picked the team to win the national championship that got hosed on a nonsense, insane block call that was the most obvious offensive foul I've ever seen in my life. I'm still confused. Congratulations. Go take your shirt off, Eric Musselman. Maybe give it to the official. Sign it for him as a thank you. Also, how does that work? Does because Arkansas beat Kansas? Does Kansas? Because now aren't they the? They don't are they the get, real Kansas. They are the real Kansas. Yes. So they have so to. They are now just Kansas. Do they have to flip flop? Is that the way I they think so. work? I think they're just Kansas. Do they keep the logo or how does that? I'm I guess they're still the the, the, sure the Razorbacks. They are. I don't know how the anyway. Kansas Razorbacks. The Kansas Razorbacks, and now the Arkansas Jayhawks <laughs> yeah. is the way that it goes moving forward. I don't make the rules, man. They're just all, they're all the way up there. <laughs> I what do you, what am I supposed to do? Go get it's one of the great episodes. I. I know that it sounds distasteful that they called it the Crack Baby Basketball Association, but if you, it's the most thorough takedown of the NCAA that ever existed. It's, it is South Park. I get it. Jump the shark at some point. I I would argue that South Park had a five to seven year run. Like South Park dates to when I was in high school. Right, I know. Like that's and the like, crazy part about it. And it's sort of like the Simpsons. It's just existed for so long that, that you're not as excited as uh, about it as you ever were. And that run for about 7 years for South Park, like get past the first I don't know, even the first 10 years of South Park and get into the part where they were offering more social commentary. Yeah. And there was a 7-year run in there that it was as blistering like the Dan Snyder episode was brilliant. They've probably done the best sports commentary that's ever existed. Now they they do fall a little bit too like into let's just take down everyone. 
Like, there is nothing sacred. But, man, the Crack Baby Basketball episode is one of the greatest episodes of any television show ever for its commentary. Right, we, have sure I, so we have to make sure I watch it's that one. Perfe- and you also have to remember what the rules were at the time. Like, now that we have NIL, like you got to think back right, to where yeah. we were at the point that that episode came out and how stubborn and bullheaded they were about this. And it's remarkable. All right. Uh, what are we doing here? Oh, today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. If you have a passion for service and you want a career for life, the Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com. 410-887-5542 is the phone number. You got cadet salary starting at over $32,000 a year, lateral officers at over $64,000, entry-level officers over $60,000 a year with a $10,000 signing bonus available for entry-level and lateral officers, plus incredible benefits advancement opportunities with specialization just find out just call figure out think about it you say i don't know if that's the path for me well talk to them about what's available again 410-887-5542 join baltimorecountypd.com it is a monday edition of glenn clark radio jeremy Kahn coming up next Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs in IT and cybersecurity. And the best part? Funding is available to those who qualify. IT and cybersecurity are growing fields that can provide a stable income and job security. With CCBC's IT and cybersecurity programs, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in these exciting fields. Call us at 443-840-2222 or visit ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC IT and cybersecurity. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash 
slash PressBoxSports or listen live at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at PressBox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along here on a Monday edition of the program. Baseball betting is here. If you're into betting the World Baseball Classic, we now know that Team USA is in the final, and you should bet with Bet Fred. But what you got to do is go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and then click on the Bet Fred link. Bet Fred is Maryland's newest sports book. And you can get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up through that link, pressboxonline.com slash offers. So baseball futures bets are available, season specials, player award bets. They're all live in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now for your shot at winning big with our friends at Bet Fred. Go sign up today. A couple of responses that came into our opening segment today. Um, if uh, Lamar doesn't sign the tag, he gets zero dollars, and sitting out a year or two will significantly decrease his market. I think he most likely knows that. Well, that's not what happened with Dak Prescott, is it? And I get it, Dak Prescott, Prescott played five games before he got hurt, but I would think the injury would be a more significant depression for a market than someone just not playing for a season. And then it goes back to the uniqueness of it. If you don't think collusion is the problem, and I'm fine with that, if you think the actual problem is that the rest of the NFL is saying, hey, the Ravens have cleared so much space that they're making it abundantly clear, no matter what, we're going to match the offer, so why would we even bother? If that's the case, then there is no market. How could that market be depressed? No market exists. The only thing that you could do is sit out for the year in order to create a market. And I don't know which is more likely. I don't know if it's more likely collusion or if it's more likely, hey, what are we doing? Why even bother getting involved with this process? Because we can't get the guy anyway. But if it's that, then this is the only way to go about getting yourself a market. I keep coming back to it. Whatever you want the answer to be, put yourself in Lamar Jackson's shoes. If you believe you're being colluded against or there is no good faith in the argument that we're letting you set the market because we're preventing there from being a market, what are you doing about that? Are you just giving up? Are you just saying, I feel like I got screwed, but all right, go ahead. What is your answer? Because it's easy to say, well, my answer wouldn't be to give up $32 million. Fine. I hear you. And that, to me, probably is still the most likely scenario, even if you're looking to fight. 
You say, fine, I'll take your $32 million, but I ain't showing up for anything. Then the question becomes, do you have to be there for week one? Or does it make more of a statement if you say, I'll see you for week two? It's part of the reason why I've used week one as a line demarcation for the Lamarometer. Thank you, Griffin. Griffin's mic wasn't on, but he did it. By the way, there was some controversy about that, too. Jeff Turner's got some opinions about that. we got to deal with that before we get out of here today. What do you do? I mean, we've all been in these situations before where we know we're being treated unfairly. Now, for the most part, we say, well, we're just going to suck it up and take it. It's not fair. The company's not treating us fairly. They're taking advantage of me, but I, I don't have any recourse. Well, it's easy for you to say, well, Lamar Jackson doesn't have recourse either. Maybe. Or maybe he feels like he does. Maybe his recourse is he needs one team to make one offer, and then he turns the Ravens and says, don't match it. Because I'm done with you. And we're going to have problems if you match it. And to Bill Roden's point, maybe it's the exact same offer as the Ravens put on the table. Don't know. We'll see. All right. So welcome in, our buddy, Jeremy Kahn. This man knows a thing or two about being screwed by the man. This man. We're all anti. From 105.7 The Fan as part of the wonderful Odyssey Corporation that I also work for, and I love them. God bless them. He is our buddy, Jeremy Kahn. What's going on, pal? How are you? Yeah, I want to ask you a serious question that I posed to the guys this morning. Yes. Okay? You've been in a relationship for a long period of time. Yes. You're talking to your significant other. I've been married, like, you, you, you've been together, and all of a sudden they tell you that they have had oral sex with 50 different men Ooh. before you met. Ooh. Okay. Are you upset? No, I'm not. I'm not. Honest to God. I, I, like, when I was 21, yes. When I was well, 21, thank, that mattered. Now, okay, can well, I... Glenn, thank God, because I, I also <laughs> thought my wife overreacted. So... Oh, I'm sorry. I knew we were going there. I knew we were going there. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for setting it up I properly. I knew we were going there. I was there. told that joke this weekend. That's really and good. And I haven't stopped That's really it. good. That is really good. Can I, can I be – oh, man, I want to I talk about something now. Um, can I, somebody – so this is a random – I have a friend that after my wife and I started dating, who, by the way, also happens to work in radio. It's pure happenstance. She's not a radiophile that I found out that my wife had previously slept with. And I rem- I remember a buddy of mine finding that out and being like, dude, how are you able to do that? She hooked up with... And I was like, "What? are you 12? <laughs> like, what in the world are we... You understand we're all adults. We've all had sex. Like, imagine... And by the way, how much worse would my life be if I was with some? Like, do you? You know what? I'm gonna end up saying too much here. I'm gonna just leave it alone. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say something that somebody's gonna hear later and be like, "Yeah, we're not comfortable with that." I'm gonna end Why up. Why did you tell that story? Right, I'm yeah. not gonna tell that story on the air. Like the idea of I, that. You said your wife's not a radio file, but I gotta be honest. Yeah, too. I, mean, I felt you, you giving me the eye, but I thought she did too a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm just, on that I'm on just that on that there. particular day, she probably did. <laughs> she was a little tipsy. Yeah, a little, a little tipsy. Oh man, you, you should hear what she said about Norris. Was, oh my goodness! No, 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 not a thing. 
of radio files. Oh my god! Oh my god! I got an even better radio file story. There was a a listener who showed up to an like a private event that I I don't know how she found out about it. She ended up marrying one of my friends. Straight shoot, (laughs) straight shoot. Just a listener showed up. I didn't know. I was like, oh hi, you're what's her face and ended up marrying one of my friends straight shoot all right um let me i got a few things for you one how'd you how'd you do this okay. weekend how how was the weekend for you i killed it i mean i so like i had a day where I, and i tell people this all the time i focus on my top place all right so that's where like everything else to me is a lean but if you're i mean if you're a gambler there's a lot of people out there they're just action junkies they like games they'd rather bet you know, 15 games and put $25 on each or maybe take a couple that are their favorites and put a little bit more on. But my top plays are primarily what I look at. Had a winning day every single day with my uh, my top plays. Four and one in a bunch of them. Uh, I think I went three and two one day. I, one of the days was not great overall with picks, but my top plays were four and one. So it's kind of, you know, like it, it, there's a little give and take to it. Yesterday, I think I was 13 and four against the spread. Wow. Um, and... If Indiana had won, if Indiana had won, I'd have won about 15000 So Damn. it's just like I had them in a bunch of parlays, and they lost, and I thought uh, about cashing out, and I let it ride. And, you know, those are the risks you take. What are your rules for that, by the way? Because I think I've told you before, I am the cash-out king. Like the moment that I see that I get American dollars that I didn't previously have, I am ready to take it. What are your rules for cashing out? So I think most people or most gamblers that are in on this would tell you don't cash out. Right. Now – and I'm the it's opposite. It's hard for me to argue. If you have a, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you the example, and I'm going to use $500 bet on a three-team parlay because it's just easier. It's easier to figure out, um, or it shows you the kind of the, the setup. So let's say I bet 500 on a three-team parlay, and I hit the first two legs. And what happened in a situation that I had very similar to this over the weekend was they offer you a buyout of about uh, you know a thousand fifty or so. Okay. Well, that buyout doesn't include the $500 you bet because if you'd already hit a two-team parlay, you'd have been paid out 12 to 5 Yeah, that's true. So there's there's not the inherent value in taking that $1,000 because had I bet a $500 two-team parlay, it would have paid out 12 to 5 and then my 500 would have been included in that. So, like, on top of it. And, and that's the hard part with betting, the difference between betting legally and illegally because people that bet illegally, you just put the bet down, you're not fronting any money. So when you front the money, you're going to get that money back on top of whatever you win. So if parlay is six to one, if you bet five hundred bucks, that's three grand. And on three, so you're telling me if I win one more game, I'm going to get paid eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred dollars on top of it just by letting it ride on a five hundred dollar bet. Then I have to take those odds if I like the game. I, I do that. understand though, people that. that want to play it safe and cash out, but. The numbers would tell you you don't do that. I understand everything you're just saying mathematically. I just know that I'm going to lose because it's me. That's where I am. I'm well, and I've done that, too. Yeah. I, I'm, I'd be lying to you if I tell you I haven't cashed out a, a parlay I didn't feel good about, even right. somewhere I thought for sure was going to lose. But the one that got me the most is the one I cashed out, and then, and then the 18 then it hit, of course. 17 parlay hit. Of course. Yeah. Yep. And, and then, then I would have won like five grand more. You're sick about it after that. You're yeah. just it's it. You can't think about the money that you won because all you can think about is all the money you could have had in the process. I completely. So, so just to recap, my bracket looks like trash. Yes. But my betting has been great. I so think that's all that matters. I think that's literally the yeah. only part of this that matters whatsoever. Um, as far as Maryland's concerned, I, I don't care that they got pasted. I thought they were going to get pasted. I couldn't believe the line was only eight and a half. Like I, 
I never saw a world in which they could be competitive with Alabama, and clearly part of the story being once Juju Reese got into foul trouble, they had next to nothing to offer. Now, it's also disappointing that Jameer Young played as poorly as he did down the stretch this season. That's a real bummer, but, you know, I, I still would like to have him back next season if he would be interested. I still come back to, like, I, to me, irrelevant. It would have been irrelevant to me if they, they lost to West Virginia on Thursday. The story of the season was they outperformed expectations, that Kevin Willard appears to be you know, having them th- things going in the right direction. I just don't I, – I know you and I have talked about it. I am so unmoved by the fact that they were so non-competitive for so much of that game on Saturday night because I never really thought they would be. See, I, so I thought a little differently about it because they had the lead early on. You mentioned Juju's foul trouble. Uh, Jameer Young, it looked like it took him a little while to kind of get going, and he never – well, he never really got it, but – um, with Miller's injury, the groin injury, and granted he played better in this game, I, I thought they had a shot. I, the last the last six minutes of the game were uh, are going to tell a totally different story than the rest of that game, I think. But that being said, I mean, I liked Maryland plus the points. I thought they could keep it close. And when they, they jumped out to that lead, I was like, oh, all right, here should, we go. Should have cashed and then, out. then I started watching the play afterwards, and it seemed like full gold, right? Yeah. So, uh, But I don't know if you are in the same boat I am. I know it's been one year. I don't know that I love the coach as much as I love Kevin Willis. great, man. I, I, I love hearing his interviews. I, I, I love the fact that he's been out recruiting, and I know he's been out because I've talked to some of the, the – like, there's, there's different players and guys locally that he's met with, and because we have him on the show once a week, there were times that he didn't come on because he was out recruiting. And, like, I love that aspect. I love how he coaches. I love the offense I'm seeing, even though he doesn't have the right pieces to fit just yet, his offense. So what he did with somebody else's players for the most part I think it was really impressive. I, that's where I am. Uh, but to, to bring up the interview, what he did at halftime of that first game where, you know, dude, I thought we could down, be a de- been down by a lot more. I was actually kind of relieved. I mean, it was just – it's great. I like the guy a lot. He won, like he didn't have to win me over, but he did with that comment because I just think, like, that's a guy that's cool under pressure. You know, like yep. he's in that moment. He's like, oh, God, this is awful. And he can be honest about it. You know? that part of it is for now, I, I think he was playing with house money, right? This is not the team. Yeah. This is a team that he overaccomplished with. I, get back to me in two to three years, and, you know, let's see where he is at that point. But right now, every reason to be on board, every reason to be a believer in the direction of the program with Kevin Willard, and every reason to think that there are better days and brighter days ahead. Jeremy Kahn is with us here on GCR. Um, a couple of takes that I have that are not as popular I love the – you know the NCAA tournament is like my favorite thing in the world. I love it. It is mm-hmm. – and to me, what I love most about it is it gives the entire country to get around and chant out, you know, let's go oral or we want oral or whatever. We just – we love yeah. – <laughs> like you were doing with all those gentlemen when you were coming up. Um, yes. I, I love that. But I could not embrace the Fairleigh Dickinson thing, man, because I could not shake the fact that they shouldn't have been in the tournament to begin with. And it's bull s that Merrimack won the league – and was told, sorry, you don't get to be there. I, I just, I was not capable of celebrating Fairleigh Dickinson on Friday night. I get that. I, I've said this before. As much as, and you might disagree with me, you, you might not, but as much as people love upsets, I would rather see the best teams play the best teams. And and I'm not mm. telling you I don't like an upset here or there. Okay. I never want to see a, a 16 beat a 1 because I just, it changes the whole bracket. We had an FAU uh fairly Dickinson game last night that I'd like to see the ratings on if anybody watched it. Um, but I think people love the idea of it. And until we get those teams in the, you know, um, the, the 32 or sweet 16 elite eight once to go further, because the stories are great down the line when you're saying, Hey, I remember watching George Mason make that run. Right. But in the moment, 
being Florida. Florida Gulf Coast might be the one that was different because they were fun to watch. Yeah, you know? Dunk like, City, yeah. That was a ridiculous team. But but I ultimately, I just think the upsets, um, some of them are good, but I, I get what you're saying about Fairleigh Dickinson because there's a lot of teams, and I mostly do it with the Power Five. Like, I'd rather see a really good team from a smaller conference than a, like, an, and I'm not pointing at this oh, team, but an NC State from, yeah, I get uh, that. you know, getting from the ACC. I get you know? that. I just, you know, you got to win your league. Like, that's the way this works. If you're coming, you have to win the league. And they didn't do it. It's just a nonsense rule from the NCAA. Let me, let me go to something, though, to before, because I want to move on to, to something else. But let me come back to something. We're talking so much sports today. It's weird. Sports and oral sex. That's what you get, uh, Glenn Clark and Jeremy Kahn. That's what, the way it works. Um, let me, nice. right. We should put that on a t-shirt actually. Um, let, let me, let me go back to something. I brought this up with Pat Kennedy earlier. What do you do if you're Kevin Willard and you're trying to look at a league where, you know, to win the league, you have to be physical. You have to be tough. But then you see year in and year out that other than Tom Izzo, the league is utter and complete garbage in the NCAA tournament because it's not athletic enough. So how do you handle yourself in recruiting and building a team when you know there's a sort of large dichotomy between what's best to win in the Big Ten versus what's best to win in the NCAA tournament? That's a great question, man. I, I, like, my whole thing is, like, you've got to recruit players for your system. If you run a finesse offense and you run this up-tempo offense, maybe you don't, maybe you don't want bruisers. Maybe you want you know, more athletic guys that can get out and push the ball. You want speed. Like, Fairleigh Dickinson was a – they were the smallest team in the tournament, and they were a pressing team. So they have to create that press and have to create turnovers to stay in games. And so I think that's ultimately what you have to do is you've got to recruit the players for your system. Like, getting physical players – like, there's certain things that can be taught, but we were actually talking about something similar to this because I said, I think Willard's in a great spot because as a basketball player and as a coach, I love guards that come from Chicago, New York, and Baltimore, Okay. Not necessarily in that order. I mean, could be, but but I just think these guys grow up differently. They have a different mindset, and they're they're a little bit gritty. There's you know, a toughness. Tough. Yes, there's and, definitely a toughness. Yeah, the, the Ace Baldwin so, type. Yes, and and you know, like when you start looking at those type of players, I just think there's a difference in them. So those would be the kind of guys I would recruit. And I'm talking specifically guards, but it goes, you know, it doesn't have to be a guard. I just like the mentality of those those tough point guards. Um, I, so, like, if I were a college coach, the first thing that I'm doing is making sure that I have a point guard every year that I know can make players around him better and can play defense and be tough, you know. So, I, I just think that's what you have to do is you've got to find guys that fit your system. And it is. It's different playing in the Big Ten. Remember the old Big East? I mean, they beat the crap out of each other. Um, so, and then if you look at the tournament now, like, in the Sweet 16, and we start naming things, like, Rob was doing it. He was going, man, there's only one team from the Big 12, and there's only one team from this conference. And then there's, you know, he's going through all – and ultimately, does that does that tell the story? Because if we flipped everyone around, we yeah, probably have, okay. like I said, we'd have 16 different teams. But, you know, okay, it's but, just about but, the matchup. But the last Big Ten team to win a national championship was Maryland, and they weren't in the Big Ten, right? Like, it, the Big Ten thing to me is real at this point. And we see it okay. because we watch the league enough. We see that it's – and I'm not trying to make this about race – but it's a bunch of big white kids that are kind of aliens that are just massive and they're playing a different way. And then you get to the NCAA tournament and there's teams that are loaded with great guards. Was there a who was the best guard in the Big Ten this year? Boo Booey, I guess, right at Northwestern, who lost to a depleted UCLA team. Like this was not a guard league this year. So I worry that well, you, you try to build a team that's best suited for the Big Ten 
and you're setting yourself up to be run out of the gym in the NCAA tournament. You try to build a team that's the best for the NCAA tournament, and you set yourself up for taking losses specifically on the road, it being 10 play, and ruining your chances of improving your seeding and trying to get there as a four or a five seed in the process, which right now Tom Izzo is about the only guy that has proven he's capable of doing that. Man, you asked a really a good question. Because, like, you could look at Sensible from Ohio State who got hurt, um, you know, and he's a freshman, I believe. Yeah. And then, you, you, you know, who you mentioned, and Boo Booey, who I absolutely love. And I love Boo Booey, um, too. Braden Smith's a really good point guard. He had a ton of turnovers for Purdue. Um, man, that's – and there might be somebody I'm just not thinking of right well, now. Well, who was the kid that got hurt but, for Rutgers? Oh, God. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, like... And that was not jumping out of me either, so, like, he didn't even come to mind when we were talking about it, but there are a lot of good friends. But, yeah, but, you know, it was... It was, right, it was It was Mag, and you know what? He was more of a forward than he was a guard, too, right? Like, I... Yeah. I don't well, know, man. I mean, it's, it's an interesting debate. I don't think the Big Ten is... Like, I used to always think about the big offensive linemen in the Big Ten, the big whiteies. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Big Ten is just a bunch of big white dudes, because I think their wings are really good, but... Um, what am I talking about? Am I talking about Bonchon or we're, no? no. We they, no, they I, I mean, have I good wings though. <laughs> they are really good. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, but no, I I do think that there might be something to your you know what you're pointing out that the guard play might be a little bit down. But if they're recruiting a lot of freshman guards and they're really good, they leave after one year. You know, so we could probably go back to last year and pick out a couple that are in the NBA now. But um, you know, it, I don't know, it's, it's a really tough question because Keegan Murray was there. His, his little brothers at yeah um, yeah you know, he, yeah, he's still playing yeah but, but Keegan Murray you know, was like more of like a true shooter right than he was an attacking guard um, yeah you know you could he was more of a Keegan Murray's probably more of a forward to be honest I maybe yeah. Jaden Ivey's the guy I'm looking I, but but all that being said you know when you start looking at the guys that are in the Big Ten. I never get caught up when we get to this point and go oh man only one team made it from here and one team made it from there. But it's been going on long enough. To your point, it may it may actually fit that narrative. I, I, well, I, look, man, I don't have I don't have the answers. I just ask the questions. Like that's that's like good. <laughs> it's a good news for most of us that are in this business. But then we have to take turns being the ones to have to answer the questions, and we acknowledge we don't know the answers either. Hey, in the new print issue of Pressbox, Jeremy's got his tips for betting the NCAA tournament, and I happen to uh, get word that that uh, did really well. We got a lot of clicks from that, so thank you. Uh, I'll be taking your oh, bonus. Nice. I appreciate it. Uh, but go pick up that print issue of Pressbox right now. It's available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms with Gunnar Henderson on the cover. All right, I have three things I want to knock out, and I already kept you a little while. And this is all sports. We've done way too much sports today. Uh, number okay, one, what are you doing? Number sports. one, uh, I, I can't get in. I've tried. I just can't care about the World Baseball Classic. You can't sell me. I, God bless. Everybody wants to tell me about how much the guys love it, how much the, the crowd was into it. And I get that it's way better than watching, you know, spring training baseball right now. Like, there's no doubt that it's it's better than that. But it's a fake competition. You literally have a pitcher that could be the best player on the field, and you arbitrarily tell the guy, yeah, but you have to come out of the game. There is no sport, no sport that exists in the world where you arbitrarily have to get rid of the best player for no reason whatsoever I can't buy that it's a legitimate com- competition, no matter how many people enjoy it. I like professional wrestling, and WrestleMania will be electric, but I can't tell you it's real either. Get off my lawn. The World Baseball Classic isn't a thing. I'm okay with the feeling of that. Like, we were talking about this morning, and I said I'm kind of torn because 
Like, I have enjoyed watching the highlights. I have not watched the game. All I've seen are highlights. I don't even know what time the damn thing comes on. And it doesn't, just to be truthful about it, it doesn't mean that I don't like it or I'm not interested in it. There's just so many other things going on right now that I care more about than that with college hoops, the NBA. That's a huge factor as well, no doubt. And and for me, doing the morning show, some of these games are on so damn late. I'm like, I'm not staying up watching this, you know. And I don't know. It, it does make it difficult, but I see the the merits in that. And but I said earlier today, like I was like, if I owned a baseball team, I wouldn't want my players no, to no play the World in Baseball hell. Classic. No chance in hell. Now I get it. Like you're yeah. not you're not gonna be able to stop them, and they have enough power at this point. And I'm not trying to say that it's the World Baseball Classic's fault that Edwin Diaz got hurt. You know what I mean? Like if if you can suffer a fluke injury like that, you can do it just about any time. So it didn't have to be at the World Baseball Classic. It could have been as he was walking to his car, um, like the guy that uh, who was the Orioles player that they, you know, boy, it's a real shame. Oh, the one that, Ubaldo. Yeah, was it Ubaldo? Yeah, Ubaldo. They were like, yeah, it was real, real shame how that worked like, out. Slipped in his kitchen room. Yeah, just a, a pothole by accident. What a real bummer that is. He's not going to be available for a little while. It's just, man, gee, gosh, golly. Um, I'm not trying to, and I don't think the teams are going to be able to ban them, and nor do I think even that they should. Like, they're going to be doing baseball stuff anyway, so what? But I just can't, I can't get into something where you're telling me it's baseball, but you got to put the baseball part in air quotes because we all know in a real baseball game, if a dude is dealing for 65 pitches, you're going to let him pitch 30 more. Like, I can't buy that as a legit competition. I'm wondering if they put that in as a rule so that the all the you know the, the pitchers can't be abused because now That's you're exactly basically what, loaning right. your pitcher to another right. you know and you don't want somebody to overuse them no this early in the season. Not only overuse but they're not ramped up yet. You're doing it in March like and I'm yeah. not even, I'm not trying to tell you that they should change the rules. They have to keep it that way. Like the World Baseball Classic to me can never be a real thing because they can't do anything about that with the pitchers any longer. It's you can't compare it to soccer. Like in, in soccer, you can't make a World Cup of baseball. In part because in soccer, they have to shut down their own season because the players are always going to care way more about the. Imagine if the Premier League tried to keep running during the World Cup last year. Like imagine <laughs> yeah. if Serie A yeah. had been like, you know what, we don't really care. Why don't you guys pick which one you want to do? Every single one of them would have gone and competed in the World Cup. Um, they have to shut. Absolutely. Down. But yeah, the pitcher thing makes it different. Uh, I have started the. Lamarometer, where would your number be if I and I might do this by the way? I'm going to start this week allowing guests to set the Lamarometer. Readers, Reed is going to get the first chance. Um, if the 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 equation is percentage chance that you believe Lamar Jackson will be the Ravens' quarterback in Week One of the NFL season, where would you set the number? Um, I, I think I'm at 75. That's about Does that I, mean they get a? Yeah, that's where I was, but yeah. it, it came down a little bit. Yeah, and, I, and it doesn't mean that like. They're getting a happy Lamar coming back. I'm wondering all about this YouTube channel and this thing that he's doing and what he's going to actually say. But, you know, we've all been wondering, like, what, what's his side of this? Like, he, he'll chirp in or chime in every once in a while about that wasn't it. Nah, that's not true or whatever. Um, but, I, I mean, I just want to know, what do you want? Like, how much do you want? Where, where do you want to be? Do you want to be in Baltimore? Ultimately, is that where you want to go? I, you know, like, so I, I think 75% is right. And the only reason I'm saying that is because, I haven't really heard – I mean, I've heard rumors about the Patriots and Colts, but I haven't heard anybody being in on him yet. Oh, correct. Um, and the, the, the only thing we, you've heard is could hey, – could, we, we had Andy Poland on today, right? Yeah. From And I asked him, I said, well, what about Washington? What are they going to do at quarterback? Any chance they would be in on Lamar? And he's like, no, they just signed Jacoby Brissett. Could you and I'm imagine? Like, 
What does that have to do with right. Could you imagine like, that? Like, That's a, somebody asked me last week if Gardner Minshew signing in uh, Indianapolis would move the Lamar meter, and I was like, no, I mean, in zero way. It shouldn't unless you want a backup quarterback to be your starter. Correct. That would be the situation in both those. Well, and by the way, cities. I said before, if I was doing radio in Washington, you would have to physically remove me from the studio. I This would be the only thing I would talk about. Every moment of every day. Imagine talking about Georgetown hiring Ed Cooley when you can just absolutely – you're going to let Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell fight over being your quarterback when you're the most irrelevant franchise in the league and you could be in on Lamar Jackson? I would never it's, shut dude, up it, about it. Never. It's so absurd. They, what did they say? How through 11 or 13? And then, by the way, that's not me knocking Eddie Bowen. I, I fully believe oh, what yeah, he said. Right, I'm just like, right. think about that thought process. Oh, like, oh I would never. Like, hey, we got Jacoby. We don't, we don't need Lamar. All right. Oof. And then I wrap with this. Uh, can you admit, have you ever gone out to any event, whether it was St. Patrick's Day, opening day, whatever it was, have you ever in your life as an adult gone out to an event wearing a diaper? No, uh, I'm not opposed to it. That's but what like, I wanted. I'm that a, was the next part of it. Yes. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that, but I'm uh, for people that don't know me. I'm a camel. Okay, um, you can hold. I mean, I can. You're, you're good for a little. Yeah, while. once I crack the seal, that's my second wind, and it usually doesn't crack for quite a long time. Like I could sit at the bar for eight hours, you might not see me go to the bathroom. So that's that. I have a lot of questions about. <laughs> that is yeah. that is overwhelming. I the bigger question to me is how do I. Are these people, do we make fun of them for doing it, or do we acknowledge them as as it being intelligent in game some way? Game recognized game. And I, I think I lean more towards the former than the latter. Like, at some point, you're still walking around in your own filth, you know? Like, I I can't just come around yeah. to the idea that, like, this is brilliant. Like, you're st- it's still in there. Like, it doesn't go away. It's still sitting in that yeah, diaper. Yeah. That's kind of my thing. Like, I mean, do you go number two if you have to go number two in there or what? Is it just for number one? I'm kind of curious. We have a far bigger problem. I've talked about this before. We have two big problems. One, we encourage drinking and driving. We don't want to acknowledge it, but we don't go out of our way. We make it extraordinarily difficult for people. Like, if you want to leave your car in a garage overnight, you're going to be charged $200. There's no reward for, hey, you did the right thing by not drinking and driving. We do everything in our power to penalize people and and encourage drinking and driving. We've got a problem with that. But the bathroom thing is the exact same thing. Nobody wants to make it easy to have bathroom access. No one wants to go out of their way to think about that as if people aren't going to drink at events. As if every – you want to make the money off of St. Patrick's Day, right? Every single establishment in town wants to make bank on St. Patrick's so, Day, but none of them want to think about the consequences of the people that are doing the alcohol consumption. Yes, and it's funny you say that about bathrooms because, like, I remember my first time going to Preakness where somebody's like, oh, yeah, we're staying in Corporate Village, and we have uh, we have our own bathroom. And I'm going, um, that's a big deal, like, having your own bathroom. Aren't there bathrooms everywhere? And I understand, like, nobody wants to go number two in a potty that everybody's been peeing on. Right, over. Like, correct. You know, but... But the fact of the matter is I hadn't been to Preakness to fully understand like how great that is of having your own bathroom. Dude. And, and sometimes that is a very, very important thing. My, uh, Mrs. Clark, when we this was the first year that we went like just as fans last year, like that I didn't have to work. And she said, we're not doing the infield. Like we're not doing the cheap seats. <laughs> we're not. She's been like she knows what it looks like there. She's like, we're paying real money if we're going. And I said, oh, good. 
good. I, I, my ki- again, my kids aren't going to college anyway, so <laughs> that's the reality <laughs> of the circumstance. All right, what's coming up on the show this week? I was going to tell you, like, if, if you gave the option to players to either go to the World Cup or play in their league, I'm sure the guys from Richmond would stay yeah. play in the league and try to win it. Yeah, so. damn right they would. Did you watch the first episode? I did. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I thought they did a pretty good job. I'm interested to see where it goes. They've created a new conflict internally with Ted. I don't want to give too much away about it. That is mm-hmm. is interesting to me. I'm still worried that like the foundation was laid for the exact scenario at the end of the year that I didn't want, right? Like I'm still worried like, that that Nate never really gets his comeuppance. Yeah, and and like there's there's a bunch of other storylines that may or may not work out. I'm not sure about the stuff with Keeley and um, yeah, that you know. Uh, I'm kind of uh, curious. That it looks like there might be another love triangle or something going. But anyway, yeah. the uh, the other thing I was going to bring up about it is the, the t- do you watch the TV show you. I do. I hate that. I do. I've watched. I'm. I'm not. I haven't finished this, this season, but I'm. I'm at the halfway point. I, I started, haven't either. And okay. I'm going to because, like, my wife and I'll finish. What this season is arguably one it's, of the worst it's, seasons of television that's ever been put together. It's I, like everything about this season is so awful and unbelievable. Like they could have aliens come down and and just kidnap somebody, and I would find that more believable than the story. The other thing, it's a completely different show. Like they just decided to get three seasons in and then say we're bored with what we've been doing. Let's do something utterly and completely different. Now we uh, hang on. How do I say that? Now we truly want to make it so that the psychopathic mass murderer is the hero of the story. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's apparently what they're doing is creating this. But like I'm still I can't get past all the things like two people know all of the things that he's done. And right. No police officers know any of it. Unbelievable. Uh, and then all of a sudden they happen to be in the same city that he goes to. Like, how how weird. None of it makes sense. How weird. It all worked out that yeah. way. Did you watch the uh, Murder on Murders, by the way? Yes. Oh, my God, man. Like I have oh, that, a lot of th- that family's trash, dude. Man. And then they need to go back and look to make sure the older son didn't kill one of his. Okay, classmates. yes, that. But also, were you a little bit weirded out by all of the girls' friends? Like, did they all come off? And I get they've been through trauma. Like, I understand that's part of it. But they all also came off like they had something to hide. Like, they all came yeah. off to me, especially the dude whose girlfriend died. Like that mm-hmm. guy. The fact that he didn't want to criticize Paul, that he didn't want to criticize Alec, or by the way, what what is that? The guy's name is Alex, and it's Alec somehow. Like I'm supposed to believe that A L E X is pronounced Alec. What the hell is that, man? God. But that guy didn't want to criticize any of them. His chick died, and he was like, I mean, could there be something that he's still scared of him? Oh, I. I So that that theory exists. I also think it's possible that he was all too happy to take advantage of many of the things that came along with being friends with that family. And yes. he's he knows, maybe not that he killed someone, I don't think that's the case, but that he did things, he shouldn't be trying to portray himself as some sort of hero because he definitely was willing to use that family to his advantage before they killed his girl. Right, like, yeah, it it definitely right off to me. Like, none of these are good people. None of these are people that I find myself <laughs> rooting for. You're all really yeah, bad people. Just had worse things happen to you than others. Does it feel weird that they're telling everybody that Alec Murdoch's in in prison and he's actually doing two to six on one hundred five seven The Fan with James Oh, uh, not bad. Does that feel weird? Not bad. What? That's good. Yeah, he he yeah. does look a lot like Ken Wyman. Oh, exactly, exactly like Ken Wyman. <laughs> There's no doubt. Well done. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, picks every day, pressboxonline.com, and the Big Bad Morning. Are you guys all – is it all three of you this week? Well, I'm off uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. Why now, not? So I've Why got not? some uh, – I've got some house cleaning to do. I've got some. Uh, I guess some medical stuff I got to clear all right, up. So, all right. Well, if you um, if you yeah. need if you need help prepping for your colonoscopy, let me know. I'll come over and and, I'll, I'll and the you. new name is Jenny, by the way. So <laughs> I can't. Um, I, I need you to know I will support you at every level. Through this. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> all right, bro. Oh. at Con one zero five seven on Twitter. Uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you, pal. I appreciate. See you, you, man. Jeremy Con, boy, we covered a lot there. We did a like a like an old school radio segment the hell was that all about really weird got in all my takes got in all of my takes god i know everybody's all enamored with the world baseball classic everybody's all look it is part of the problem even if it was a legitimate competition if you ran it during the ncaa tournament i'm not going to watch it i'm sorry i can't fathom a human being finals choosing on, it finals on tuesday what else is on Tuesday? yes that would be the only time that would yeah. be the first time the entire tournament that i would have the option of watching a game and i like it's it's bad enough that the it's not real baseball but add in the fact it's a 10-day tournament. I didn't realize that when the thing started. I didn't realize it was all over in 10 days. That's nonsense. You're the champion of a one game in baseball? One game is how you're going to determine a champion? What? It's the most, at least, even if we acknowledge this is just a silly exhibition, maybe play a three-game championship series. Maybe something that makes it seem slightly more legitimate college baseball doesn't determine things by one game like what is that a one game knockout tournament stop that's why it's that's why it's different they gotta be yeah different. it's and, different and because it's not real <laughs> it's, it's nonsense is what it is oh. it stinks to high heavens but again we there's nothing more american than what we do when we ignore all of the facts and just say but people want it to be true. Well, yeah, exactly. Some dude on Friday night like retweeted like a comment. Well, this is the most electric I've ever felt playing baseball. You're telling me this is a meaningless exhibition? Yes. Because fact is still fact, and feeling is still feeling. And you trying to say, well, it feels real, is what we do now. And po- this feels like it's true, so we want it to be true. We're going to make it true fact be damned we want this to be true so it's true that's the way that we operate now as a society frankly there's nothing more american at this point than the hell with fact this is what we want fact to be so we're just going to say it is fact it's a meaningless exhibition no matter how much people like it people like professional wrestling too Yes. I'll do my WBC tidbit really quickly. Uh, the first go-ahead Grand Slam in the sixth inning or later in World Trey, Baseball Trey Classic Turner. history. Trey Turner Whoa. on Saturday night. Whoa! I want to defend it, but like, I mean, like it's the same exact. Like, I'm watching March Madness over over this, so I, I mean, I haven't watched. And again, any that's of not this. even that's it's not like, even my biggest problem with it. Like, my that's it's a problem, but it's not even my biggest problem with all of this. Is that you know it's on during March? Like again, it could be the best. Com- it could be the best competition. The pitchers could be allowed to go for as long as they wanted to. They could play for the entirety of the month. All of those things. And I would still say, sorry, Chief. We, we've got plans in March. We have things that we do around here. That's what I'll be doing. Speaking of atmospheres, uh, I think i got to go to an Atlanta United game. 
Uh, did you see? They still play in the big stadium, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, did you see the goal by? I think his name was Tiago Almeida. No, I on didn't. Sunday, unbelievable, nuts. and the place went. The place went crazy. That's cool. I mean, it, that's like, cool. I mean, that like, dude, like, like I, I don't know. I, the MLS product. I, you know, I'm jealous because I wish we. You can say it's not top soccer, and it's not. Like I know that, but like the, again, that I guess that'd be the same. It's almost the exact same thing, just because it's electric. And Seattle is always electric. Yeah. Um. You know, the, Portland is absolutely electric. Now that's a smaller stadium. That's a, a normal size sta- or right size stadium. Um, Columbus is electric. I think Cincinnati's been really electric since they came in. Somebody told me. I think uh, it was Nikki Bozeman who told me that she went to Charlotte and like that's been electric since they arrived. And I still think they're playing in the big stadium in Charlotte too. I do. I, I think they were going to build a stadium in Charlotte maybe. But just because the atmosphere is great doesn't mean that you get to pretend yeah. like it's the highest level of soccer. You don't get to say. Oh, you're telling me that's not high-level soccer? Yes, I'm telling you that. It is definitely not one of the top soccer leagues in the world. It doesn't mean the competition isn't legitimate. The competition is legitimate between, you know, I would say it's... I mean, well, yeah, even in, in England... You, you and I both worked a D3 lacrosse event this weekend. The competition was, was incredibly legitimate. Yeah. Now, I don't get to pretend like those teams are better than Maryland and Virginia on Saturday, which was a thriller that Maryland won in overtime. I don't get to say York and Christopher Newport is that's better than Maryland-Virginia. But the competition was even. It was excellent. It was awesome to watch. It was a cool... I did the Stevenson game on Friday night. It was uh, Stevenson and Dickinson, and there was a real atmosphere, and there was a real feel, and there were people that were into it, and the game was amazing, and it went to overtime, and it was awesome. But I don't get to then say, well, you know, better it's than better Maryland's, than... I don't yeah. get to say... I, I can't make something fact that isn't fact. But it's legitimate competition, unlike the World Baseball Classic, which is not. No matter well, how many times people you People are treating it. I mean, I guess, you know, they again, went 14-2 last night, so. Well, yeah, that was a bit of a blowout. I, I didn't, again, I hear. Cedric I did Mullins. Not watch. I, somebody told me, Cedric Mullins, Twitter told me that Cedric Mullins hit a home run. Got his picture with Adam Jones. Anything else? I think that's it. It's still an <laughs> exhibition, no matter how many times you try to make it something else. Gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Tidbit and tubular to wrap it up. Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career in healthcare? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs in medical front office, pharmacy technician, and certified nursing assistant. And the best part? Funding is available to those who qualify. Healthcare is a rewarding field that can offer job security and fulfillment. With CCBC's healthcare programs, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in these in-demand careers. Call us at 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Healthcare Programs. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles back in action tonight. He and Ross Grimsley will catch up with Eric Garfield from Utah Street Report, who, of course, is stationed down in Sarasota and does a lot of uh, video and watches a lot of the backfields and just does a lot of comprehensive coverage of Orioles prospects when they're down there. And then even as everybody gets starts reporting, the guys that stick around for um, extended spring training and then the rookie league team, so Eric Garfield is going to join uh, Stan and Ross tonight to chat about all of that. You can watch it at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If you miss it live, find it at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, where Bet Fred is up and running in the state of Maryland. And you can take advantage of betting $50 and getting up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets. But you have to go to pressboxonline.com offers in order to take advantage of those bet Fred specials. You can't just say, I'm going to go to betfred.com and put in a password. You've got to go to pressboxonline.com offers and click on the link in order to take advantage of it. Sweet 16 coming up this week. Plenty more opportunities if you had a rough first weekend, if maybe you were in love with Kansas or something like that. My Final Four still alive, baby. Yeah, boy. Good good for you. Actually, you know what? I was looking at it. So you are 
I think do I have the most max? No, you don't have the most okay. max, but you have the most max of anyone who picked Houston. Let's go. So if Houston Cougs. Cougs. if Houston wins, now again, some of these other things have to to work for you. If Houston wins, so right now Ken Zales is the leader in the is the front runner. He, he has, has Arizona. He has Arizona and he has a max total points available of 940. Which is one of the lowest numbers of max total points available. I think, I think only you have lower, right? Uh, I have lower. I think somebody else has lower. Uh, there's, a, have, there's a couple actually that have lower. Yeah, there I'm are a few that have lower. Yes, I have a max total points. I am. It, it's over for me. I am tied for the lowest at 590. Oh my it's gosh! Over for your boy. It's done. Start rehearsing your uh, one yes, shot. Yes, correct. It is over before it ever began. Now, KZ, it's. He's in first place, but it's probably over for him too. Oh my god! I just realized my Sean is is, is dead last. Is he really? Yes, your buddy. Yes. Old PFF Sean. Old PFF Sean is dead last. Man, that ain't great. That he does. Great. He does but, have. But Houston, he has way Houston. more points available than yes. I do. Dramatically more points available than me at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, not great. Your boy, it's over. It's fine. It was over before it ever began. It's the way it goes. KZ is at the top of the contest, but it's basically over for him too. Then that son of a bitch, Aaron Oster. We should never let a ringer get involved with these things. Aaron Which, Oster. Where's Aaron? He's second. He's the A man. He's sitting. Oh, the A man. Okay. He's got Hate the trick. He's got 530 points, and that's good. He also has Houston, so he's got a lot of points available. But you have more points available. That's right. That's right. Than Aaron does. So then uh, Kelly, one of the few females that got in. We love Kelly. She's great. A few others. Uh, my man, former Maryland punter Travis Boltz, is sitting uh, in the uh. top five. He also has Houston. So you're in pretty good shape among the Houston, the Houston folks. Yes. But right after you, our guy, and I, I, I forget, he's little Johnny Ransom, and it's a Boo Earns on Twitter, and I can't remember what it is. John, John. He's got uh, Texas, and he's in really good shape because no one else has Texas. Right. So if right. Texas wins at all, he's going to win. There is no question about that. And then there's a few Alabama Especially folks. Especially because they got to get through Houston, yeah. Correct. Yeah. There's a few Alabama folks. Uh, my man Ben in San Francisco is sh- sitting in good shape of all the Alabama people. He has the most points available to him at 1610. So at this point, it's like we're there's it's, a, it's up in the air. There, I mean, I'd, I'd say about half of our bracket contest is done, yeah. right? Like like half of us are out. And then there's a few people that have some points available depending on who wins. And then if, you know, somebody obscure, like somebody at Gonzaga, yeah. Josh Sroka, our friend from Birdland Sports, has Gonzaga. Who knows, man? A couple UCLA's. Uh, there are, but that's tough because they're, yeah. so, they're so banged up. Like, there's, oh. there's a UConn down there at the very bottom, so they oh, are probably alive. That's your friend Sean. <laughs> that is, no, that's, uh, no, Sean has Houston. Oh, Whoever, Sean it's, has whoever's right above Sean. Okay. Bugsy. Bugsy. Bugsy has UConn. Okay, got it. Got it. Uh, you know what? I didn't update this thing. I just realized oh, that. Okay. That's part of my problem here. I did not update. So I had him at the bottom. I was looking at yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's in real bad shape. <laughs> but, he, but, you know, yeah, your point. The guy that's sitting in a, it's second to last right now that has U- UConn. UConn yeah. looked really good yeah. against St. Mary's. Who knows? They win the tournament. You could end up going from last to first. Um, but, yes, $380 is the important part because that's what's headed to um, show your soft side and the wonderful things that they do. So thank you for getting involved. How did we get here? Um, I don't know. Just We're doing a tidbit. tidbit. Okay, so Angel Reese last night, really good game. 25 and yeah, 24, really good, six no blocks. Um, and I, Let's I, make sure we, we reach back out to them. Okay. This week. Um, and we, I, 
she's the first player since at least 2000 to have 25, 20, and five blocks in a tournament game in 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 the women's tournament history since at least 2000. I haven't seen anyone that's found anyone before okay. that, so she might be the only. Were one. Do they not keep rebounding statistics before then? I don't, I don't understand know. why don't it's know, hard but, to go. Past. Yeah, but I haven't found that. But anyway, 25, okay. 24, six for, from Fran. Oh, it's remarkable. Yes. Um, Adama Sonogo has, he is the first player, uh, since 2009 to average 25 points, 10 rebounds and shoot 70% through the first two games of the NCAA tournament. Since why UConn could very well be a fan. Yeah. Like it, think about all the UConn teams that won titles. They largely had one player who was, whether it was Shabazz Napier, whether it was Boatwright, um, Kemba Walker, Kemba never, Walker, they, yeah. you know, in an insane way, right? The first title team was a far more balanced. That was Rip Hamilton and um, Khalid Alamine and Jake Voschkel. Like, that was a more... I mean, Rip Hamilton was a superstar, but I would say they were a more balanced team. That was when they were more veteran players. Um, but after that, most of their title teams were, like, one dude carrying you to a title. Um, so he is the first player since 2009 to, to have 25, 10, and 70% shooting out through the t- first two games. Do you know who that other player might have been? Say that one more time. 25 points, 10 yeah. rebounds, averaging those uh, and 70, 170% shooting through the first two games of the tournament. Of this year's tournament? Yes. So I, who, didn't know, I didn't know somebody else had. Yeah, somebody had. Somebody did it. No, sorry. Somebody did it in 2009. Oh, okay. That's what That's what I was trying, I was trying to say. That. I well, I was, was trying. Th- but I just said this year's tournament. You is, said, it's Sonogo. Yeah, Sonogo is this year's tournament. Right. You said the other person, it did it in 2009. 2009. Uh, 2009, Duke won the title, right? Yeah. Was that Duke over Michigan? Or was it 2010? It was a Big 12 school, this player. Big 12 school. Uh, 2009, Big 12 school. Would that have been... Was this that couldn't have still been Durant at that point. Uh, no, it was not Durant. Yeah, it, was it was Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oh, uh, it was. that's not Trey Young. Trey Young was after not that. Not Trey. Trey Young was after that. Oklahoma. Another big guy. A big guy. Big guy. Oh, Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, yeah. yeah. Sure. Blake Griffin, yeah, 25, 10, and 70 yep. in 2009. And they actually beat Morgan State in the first round, if I remember correctly. That does sound right. Because yeah. they lost to Morgan State. The State? No. Morgan State played West Virginia and Oklahoma the two years they made the tournament. And I can't remember which year was which. So. Uh, real quick, UFC tidbit maybe. Uh, Leon Edwards. Ah, yes. to get it. Leon Edwards yes. uh, defended his belts and uh, became the third uh, largest upset in welterweight title history. It was plus two ten. Um, was there any controversy to the decision? No, I not really. I mean, it was it was, we close, were... uh, it was it was close. It was it was close. Like I I mean I, I I picked Usman to win, so I was I was rooting for him, and I and I think I just like him better. Um, okay. but of course, Black Panther fame. He's, he was yeah. in Black Panther. Yeah. And so I love Kamaru Usman. Um, but I mean, I think I, I was, since I was kind of leaning to him, I gave him, I think, more rounds than I probably should have. But, you know, Leon, as the, he was the defending champ, and he did what he He did not lose that fight. So I don't think there's there should be any issue. The with decision it. to make, Col- you know, we'll talk about it during the fight. Okay. Let's wait okay. for fighting words. Uh, it's so 12 23. Third, third biggest upset, plus 210. He also has the second biggest upset, which was yeah, in August, sure, plus right. 300. Do you know uh-huh. who has the biggest upset in welter welterweight title no, history? No, I don't. Be 2007, GSP lost. Who did he lose to in 2007? Oh, God. I remember this. It was a plus 850 underdog. Oh, God. It was, um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I remember that. It, uh, it wasn't Rashad Evans, was it? Was it was not Rashad Evans. Who the was... F was it? All right, tell me. It was Matt Sarah. Oh, that's right. It was Matt, Matt Sarah, Sarah plus eight fifty. Yeah, I bet that was back when I used to watch all the fights. Mm, yeah, too. so I thought you might. I thought you might. Yeah, might I just um, it's going too far back. All right, and finally, Tom Izzo. Who did Rashad Evans beat that was so surprising? Uh, who did 
overshot Evans. Like that nobody saw coming. There was a big. Uh, I sorry. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do Chuck, this. He beat. He didn't beat Chuck Liddell, did he? Rashad Evans. Yeah. It might have been who it was. Uh, he definitely beat somebody that. No, it was a stunner. It was a. Like we all liked Rashad Evans. We all thought he was on his way, but nobody saw it coming. Uh, oh no, 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 no! He he didn't beat Tito Ortiz. Rashad Evans beat. Hang on a second. This would have been because he was favored against Tito Ortiz. He did beat Chuck Liddell, yes. Okay. In September of two thousand eight. Yep, one hundred percent. All right. Finally, Tom Izzo now has the most wins by a head coach. He beat Forrest Griffin to win the title, though. Most wins all time uh, by a coach uh, as the lower seed. So, like, a oh, okay. lower seed beating a higher seed. Okay. He has 16. Can you tell me who he broke the tie with? Broke the tie with. And maybe who their two guys tied with 11. Uh, so, he has 16 wins. Izzo. It's such Second a specific thing. I'll, yeah. I'll say Bayheim. It is Bayheim. Yeah, because it's, like, somebody that wasn't a regularly. The problem is, like, the guys that were around the longest, Krzyzewski, like, they were just so rarely lower Always seeds. Always seed, yeah. So, you had to pick him up with somebody that was. So, what was the other part of the question? Uh, the, their two guys tied at 11 with 11 wins for, for third place. Calhoun? Not Calhoun. These guys are, unfortunately, both of them are no longer with us. No longer with us. No longer with us. And yet, Lute Olson? Lute Olson is one of them. Again, you got to find somebody very specific mm-hmm. here to have gotten a bunch of wins but not have been a high seed. <sighs> All right, just tell me who you are. Uh, it is Roly uh, Massimino. Massimino. All right, Massimino. that makes sense. I should have. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. All right, very good. Very good. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. Tubular is brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now for free, your neighborhood Royal Farms. Gunnar Henderson is on the cover. Go get it today or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Women's tournament continues uh, the round of 32. Eight more games tonight across the ESPN networks. Starts at 4 o'clock on ESPN, Carolina, Ohio State, then Louisville, Texas, Baylor, UConn at 7 and 9, respectively. ESPN 2, Toledo, Tennessee at 6, Miami, Indiana at 8, Oklahoma, UCLA at 10, ESPNU, Florida Gulf Coast, Villanova at 7, Colorado, Duke at 9. If you've got MLB TV, there's video for Orioles-Phillies today. Uh, Kyle Bradish and Jeremy Walker, the pitching matchup for the Phillies broadcast. MLB Network has Marlins Cardinals at 1 and the other World Baseball Classic semifinalists tonight, Japan and Mexico at 7 for the right to face the USA. Did I read that they like this is how much of a sham this whole thing is? Apparently... The, the way it was set up is that Mexico, because they won the group, would have been the team playing on Saturday night instead of Friday night. They would have gotten the extra day off and not had to play. But they set that up for TV reasons, for the game to be on on Fox on Saturday night. And so they did it, expecting the USA to win the group. And they basically just said, tough titties. <laughs> Oh, so they they just moved Mexico out and, anyway? And despite the fact that Mexico won the group and should have been in the Saturday night game, they just flip-flopped it and put the U.S. in the Saturday night game because the whole thing's a sham and there are no rules. It's a it's a joke, man. Yeah. It's a joke, well, but God bless you. I, I'm sorry. I know I've been yucking yums all morning, but deal with it. Glenn hates sports. I know. <laughs> uh, I don't. I watched a lot of basketball this weekend and lacrosse. Oh, I couldn't have watched more lacrosse this weekend, Griffin. <laughs> NBA TV, Mavs, Grizzlies at 8, NHL Network, Panthers, Red Wings at 7, the USA Network for WWE Raw tonight at 8. Non-sports. Not a whole lot. The Bachelor's on tonight. Uh, of course, Peyton Manning's top 10 history, whatever thing, greatest. Top 10 toys. You love that thing. You included it's, it It's so week. weird. It's so... Whatever. Um, and then finally, Fallon's going to have Florence Pugh on. She's in this okay. new movie coming out Friday called A Good Person, where... I tell you that I watched Cocaine Bear. Oh, you did? Yeah. How was it? It was great. It was a yeah, lot of fun. Was. Yeah. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Like, I... 
there's some things it's, that are frustrating about it. Right. First of all, it's not classic. It's it's cult classic, which is what we all wanted from mm. it. Like they literally called the movie Cocaine I, Yeah, exactly. Bear. Going into I knew Cocaine exactly Bear. what I was getting. And it was fun. It was a hell of a lot of fun. You definitely find yourself saying, there's no way that this many people just wouldn't have shot the damn bear at some point. Like, that's the difficult well, part about Well, he was on cocaine. I, I understand it, that. It, the shooting wasn't going to be enough. But they didn't do a good enough job of explaining, that's why you don't shoot the bear. Everybody wanted to shoot the bear. None of them did. Isaiah Whitlock, I, mean, I don't want to give everything away. Isaiah Whitlock was like the only one that made any argument for why you shouldn't shoot the bear and even that was not very compelling maybe shoot it a lot maybe this is Ray Liotta's last performance no it wasn't it was not. that's a common misconception oh. there are other movies that are well, still well to be released. Oh, still to be made yes. okay so to be released right. they've been made they're still right, to be right. released okay um so yeah Florence Pugh good good person looks looks pretty good she so she like gets into a car accident kills her soon-to-be sister-in-law they cancel the wedding Morgan Freeman's in it and he like he, it's his daughter <laughs> well, they would probably have to cancel the wedding yeah well I mean I don't know like <laughs> well it was like it was a car accident like it was an accident I hear you but it's super awkward man anyway Florence Pugh Andrew Lloyd Webber and uh and uh Philippe Quali and uh Madlib on, on Fallon tonight I don't I don't I don't even want to think about it. What they're gonna, what embarrassing things they're going to have to live Quilly do, like on Fallon this evening. I think they might, they might just. Perform, I think they have a new song. Madlib and Quilly have. I mean, so I hope, I hope that's all it is. <laughs> I hope that's the case. All right. Uh, thanks today. To, I'm sure he's willingly well, going on. So I'm sure. Tubular is also brought to you, by the way, by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Thanks today to uh, Bill Roden. Thanks to Pat Kennedy. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, uh, Brent Urban's going to join us. Ravens defensive lineman. He signed back up. We've been meaning to do this for a while. We'll do it tomorrow. And Tyler Kepner. Uh, where's Tyler Kettner now? Uh, he, he wrote for now. the New York Times most recently. I know, but I um, thought, why, but why do I feel like he's, he was writing he's just, a, he's just an author. Just Well, no, he's definitely that, but I, he's a longtime national baseball writer. Why did I feel like maybe I had seen that he was doing something else? No, he's still New York Times. All right, very good. And he wrote about the Orioles recently, so we will talk to him about that and stuff and things. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including... Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Casa Sin, CCBC, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass on Twitter. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody. Duke sucks.